Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. And today we are sitting down with Lahana, the CEO of Nuvitru Wellness, a collective of registered dietitians geared to help women heal their hormones through individualized nutritional coaching. Lahana is a wife, a mother, and an enthusiastic advocate for real food. Lahana, we're so excited to chat with you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into hormones and everything else that may come. <laughs> oh, okay, this is a topic I've been wanting to cover because even when someone just says hormones, I'm like, I feel like I should know at least like where in the body we're talking. Like, is it circulating and like what's going on? I feel like I should know more than I do. So I'm really excited to learn, share with our audience because I'm sure they're always confused too. What do you think of when you think of hormones? I was going to say that I have not thought of hormones. <laughs> no. <laughs> Classic nail response. Is that it? I mean, I'm just being super honest. I'm super in. Like, I, I'm excited to learn. But uh, I had not, walking into this conversation, aside from knowing that we were going to talk to somebody that does know about this kind of stuff, <laughs> um, I was not super, uh, you know, thinking about it. You don't basis. wake up in the morning like, oh, how are my hormones doing I, today? I'm not. I'm not thinking <laughs> that. But uh, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. So, anyways, um, Lahana, it is so awesome to have you here today. And take me back to the beginning. Let's uh, let's get to know Lahana. Let's, let's uh, oh, where where it all started. Where were you born? Where were you raised? You know, take me there. Yeah, so I was raised in Florida. Um, more, I like to say Central Florida, like Orlando, because no one really knows like Brevard County. But I can also say where the shuttle is, where oh. NASA was. That's kind of where I grew up. Um, and you know, gosh, I grew up the standard American diet child for sure. I mean. Mm-hmm. I was born in 91, so I'm 30, and I just remember the cosmic brownies and yes. the pink snowballs. Can we throw it back to those? <laughs> and yeah. I mean, yeah, that's my diet that I grew up on. My mom always made the meals, right, the dinner, but there were things like the ranch packets, right, to season the meat. Mm. So while there was veggies and meat, I definitely ate the toaster strudels and the donuts mm. in the morning before school and your typical like peanut PBJ, stuff like that for lunch. So pretty standard American. I definitely didn't grow up in this household of health. Definitely anytime I had a, even an inkling of a possible sore throat, my mom's like antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was like the pharmacy mom, like having multiple old antibiotics. And I didn't think anything of it, you know? You're just like, okay, this is is what it is. But I look back now and I'm like, I'm cringing inside. Mm -hmm. And she probably had no idea, right? That's, you know, as much as that was normal for us, it was normal for our parents. That's what everyone was doing. Yeah. For sure. So um, we grew up in Florida. We're near the shuttle, which is Mm -hmm. awesome, by the way. Yeah, was that a big part of your, like, culture in your town? Yes, but you know what? Like, same with Disney, because Disney was not that far either. I think maybe I grew up in it. Not that I took it for granted, but it wasn't like super cool mm-hmm. because I, I went to Disney all the time. I went to Universal all the time. Yeah. I saw the shuttle all the time. So I'm like, <laughs> why are people traveling all across the country for this? <laughs> I did that. I definitely went to, well, I think I went to the JFK Space Museum. I don't know if that's where you guys are, but it has yeah. to be around there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely remember as a kid, like getting hyped <laughs> and I so was awesome. traveling from Ohio. So there I you were that. just living it up in like Disney World Central. That's awesome. I know. I'm like, cool a shuttle. The house is shaking. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Everyday problems for a Florida kid. So, so pretty much you, you grew up in Florida and you were with 
With your parents, I mean, who all who all did you who all did you grow up with? Who all did you live with? Um, just my parents, my mom, dad, um, and sister. So it was just the four of us. We actually don't have a lot of family around us. Okay. Um, my dad actually is from the Philippines, so he's the first one here. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole side of my family I actually have not met ever wow. that are still in the Philippines. Wow. Um, but I also have flight anxiety, so I don't I don't foresee me going there. Yeah. Um, that's a long flight. It's like twenty four hours or something. Wow. And um, my, I don't even know where my mom, my parents live. So I, it's so funny now being married to my husband and his family's all tight and, mm-hmm. you know, they're everywhere, but they all come together. Like that was so not us. It was literally just us four, mm-hmm. like not a lot of extended family, um, which is fine. I had a great childhood, I will say. I, I thankfully never had any massive traumas or anything like that. I always tell my therapist I might be a little boring because <laughs> I guess my childhood was a little boring. <laughs> Yeah, in the best way, though. What a blessing. In the best way. So your yeah. dad's from the Philippines. Uh, what brought him here? H- how did he make his way? So he actually worked on a cruise ship. And um, that's where he met my mom. He was probably just a creepy. And he's 10 years younger, I should say. So he was creeping. And that's how they met. And they ended up, like I think, staying together and get, you know, obviously getting married and all that stuff. Um, but he was working on a cruise ship to help provide for his family back home mm. because they were still living pretty like third world there. Mm. I mean, obviously, there's very developed parts of the Philippines, but they were in a part where it's like, you know, kind of living in tents and like leaves and like one house, which is like one room and there's 20 people sleeping in it. Mm. So he was there, I think, just ready to like, expand out of the norm, which I now look back and like, thank you for doing that. You know, I I mean, that's uh, one generation changes the entire trajectory. It's insane. So then your mom, she was also working on the cruise ship or she was like a passenger and your dad was like, whoa, she's hot. Yeah. Yeah. She was a passenger. passenger. She was a passenger. That's why I said he was creepy. Oh, I love that love story. They met on a boat. Oh, I love that. And then they came to the U.S. So, okay, fascinating. So you and your sister grow up food is pretty normal for you guys at what like did you have any like favorite childhood meals i know you mentioned which now it's stuck in my head those those pink <laughs> marshmallow balls yes. what are those called again i swear they're called like pink snowball yes yes and they're like right? coconutty okay. it's, it's mm-hmm. honestly thinking of like the fact that that is sold as food makes me cringe but i know exactly what you're talking yeah. about okay so what were some of your favorite foods um growing up or like maybe a meal um, did you guys eat a lot of like Filipino food or like what was that like? I will say my dad had rice with every meal. Did he? And I never was so sick of rice <laughs> that I think when I moved out, I didn't have rice for like a year because oh I was like, I cannot stand rice for one more meal. So I rebelled. Now, of course, we we, we make it occasionally. Um, but I was a pickier eater, I would say. So I loved the mac and cheese and I loved burgers and pizza and your your typical kid food. I definitely cannot remember me like loving veggies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like my son loves salads, which is incredible. I definitely did not like salads. It was mm-hmm. your basic pizza and burger stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and always a sweet tooth. I've always had a sweet tooth. I still do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, fa- so favorite meals. Was there, was there a family dinner when you would get home? Uh, or, or your parents would cook it up, your mom would cook it up. You said your mom did a lot of cooking that you were just hyped for. Any, any family dinner you can remember? Nothing that I can remember. Um, the most thing that I can remember, which is why I probably love it, is Thanksgiving, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that always, that 
holiday just always hypes me up. But no, I never really had anything. I mean, I loved her meatloaf that she would make mm. and um, pepper steak and rice she would make, um, tacos, you know, just your typical, but nothing like that has fallen down from tradition that like her mom made her and n- nothing like that. Mm. Yeah. And so did you, uh, you, you and your sister, is your sister younger or older? She's older. She's older. Okay. Um, so your older sister and you, now did you guys go to school together? I mean, you homeschooled, public school? public school but we actually were in like a junior senior high so no we went to elementary school together too but our middle and high school were together so we actually did go to school Mm. quite a bit um even when i was technically in middle and she was in high school but we went to public school um we were tight i would say but we had such a which is hilarious because i think we switched a different dynamic because i was I made junior varsity cheerleading for the high school when I entered into seventh grade. Wow, look at you. I know, and I was like, not even that great, honestly, (laughs) looking back. Like, I can't tumble. I never learned how to tumble. Maybe they just let me join because I had balls that I was going into middle school and I'm trying out for something high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, my peers were older. So my peers weren't my normal like seventh, eighth graders. They were ninth and 10th graders. I was always boy crazy, hands mm-hmm. down. My sister was like the opposite. She was like true nerd, even though now I'm the true nerd, but yeah. she was like true nerd, very quiet, very shy, mm-hmm. um, stuck with like a group of friends. And I was just the more outgoing, boy crazy person. Um, so we were a little different in that way, but we were definitely pretty close mm-hmm. um, growing up. That's awesome. Now, did you enjoy school like, like academically back then? Oh, you did. Okay. What, what kind of classes did you love? Science. Science. I mean, that that honestly hasn't grown. Biology, anatomy, physiology, all that stuff. I was a weird kid of knowing what they wanted to do since they were five. Mm. So I n- knew I wanted to be a doctor since I was like in kindergarten. Okay. So I loved health in some capacity. And that's, I've honestly, that has been my whole life. <laughs> I never really went away from that how cool though because I was the opposite like I still uh, as a college kid I mean I I had a very general major I just had no idea what my life would look like and now looking back I'm like oh my gosh it all makes sense like this makes so much sense like an interest in food and health and you know homegrown stuff just was born out of needs of our family but like when I was 12 I would have never been like yeah one day I'm gonna have a podcast I'm gonna like write some curriculum for my kids you know I just I didn't know that (laughs) so I think that's really cool for you to I think that's how my brothers were they like they were like I know I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna go do it and um they stayed true to that most of them some of them took a little switch here but um I love that so how did you go from the hot dog mac and cheese or whatever uh eating (laughs) uh childhood to I want to become a doctor like what was that pull to health what led you to enter into that and then tell us about your schooling so after high school what did that schooling look like because I know you're continuing schooling now so fill us in on that please so it's so funny because I look back and like yeah no one none of my doctors nothing they never talked about like food as you know just a way to health and I remember like my pediatrician was like yeah I had a triple bypass this weekend I think I went in for something and man, I think I just grew up thinking like, oh, these things are just going to happen as you get older. You know, like I, I, I literally, it blows my mind because my kids know and your kids know, mm-hmm. right? They know the power of food. And like, that was not my mentality at all. Mm-hmm. So 
I ended up having kids young. So I got pregnant with my son when I was 17. Mm-hmm. With He's my husband now, my boyfriend at the time. And um, yeah, that was more of a like, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Like, it definitely wasn't like a crazy surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I continue. I had him. I graduated high school, had him. Went straight. I never took a break from school. I just went straight into my undergrad. Um, but I was doing it more at like a local community college. Still, again, trying to do all the like... I don't know if they do this anymore, but the associate's degree, like that first two years of undergrad where it's kind of broad. And then um, I was working full time because, you know, being a mom so young, I had to get to it. My husband, boyfriend at the time had had to get to it. So I think I went back to work and I was working like 30 hours a week and going to school when my son was two weeks old. And it's because we it's because we had to like we just moved out of my my parents house to our first apartment. So there, I, I had to, you know, it was like a survival thing. Um, I did have support from like my parents and stuff of like watching him and all that. So that was great. But um, after I graduated with my associates at first mm-hmm. two years at a local college, I transitioned to University of Central Florida in Orlando. And that's when I got into like more of the pre-med stuff. And it was, I think it was from ecology. But I think it was like everything all put together. But I remember sitting in class and I don't know what we were talking about, but something just kind of dawned on me of like, is this is this seriously how we take care of people? <laughs> like a pill for every ill? <laughs> like or, like I, I envisioned my cr- future career like, okay, someone's going to come in and I'm just gonna be like, oh, you have diabetes. Here's a medication. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's unfulfilling. Yeah. Like that there, I, I knew deep down there was a missing component to this. So I had to take a nutrition class, but I will say it was pretty basic. Mm -hmm. It still didn't light a fire under my butt. But I started seeing at least some connection and some relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I can see where this is really helpful. And I didn't know I was an Enneagram mate at the time. Mm -hmm. But now that I know that and I love control, I want control. I want to know that I have control of my destiny versus, again, my doctor just had a triple bypass. I guess that's just what happens. Like knowing that I have control over my outcome of health was amazing. Like that's just what I wanted. And so I like changed my major to nutrition science. And that's what I got my bachelor's in. And um, I, let's see, I took, I took a little bit off for schooling because I was just um working i think we eventually moved out to orlando um just trying to spread our wings just a little bit from our hometown and we got married then i got pregnant with my daughter and then i was like you know when i had my daughter i said i'm totally staying home because i like missed out on like my son's childhood because i was literally waking up at 5 a.m going to work my, my husband would drop our son off to the parents. I would then leave work at noon, go to UCF, mm-hmm. do classes till four, go pick him up, come home, cook dinner, study, go to bed, repeat. Wow. So it was just such a chaotic time in my life. So I my daughter was born. I was like, I'm going to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like honestly just enjoy motherhood. Well, that lasted like, you know, six months. And then I was like, I really want to put my degree to use. <laughs> And did you that's when I was in those six months. Where did you just like it up? Okay, yeah, that's beautiful. I did. I, um, I breastfed on demand. So I joke because I guess 
your first, I know some people don't like the saying, but your first is kind of like a trial kid. I don't care what they say. It's kind of true. <laughs> a trial kid, yeah. So it's so different because with him, I just listened to doctors and parents and I just did what was said was right. So I know it's controversial, but things like vaccines, mm-hmm. rice cereal, mm-hmm. formula, I only breast he- breastfed him for two weeks, etc. So I flipped. My daughter was breastfed till two, baby led weaning, no vaccines, still no vaccines to this day. Yeah. So she is like the complete opposite. They're like my little experiment. I, Not really. Yeah. <laughs> so Seeing the difference, though, and how they battle like illness, because, you know, similar genetics, similar upbringing, in a sense, um, is so different. Mm-hmm. You guys, it's it's incredible. Like my son will have a cold. It will linger for two weeks. And my daughter, 24 hours gone, good, up the next day, wow. slay in life. <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Everyone yeah. has a very, I feel like with each kid, you learn a little bit more. Some people are blessed and they're like, hey, I studied my butt off in the first, you know, Mm. six months of my pregnancy and like I got it all Mm. down I'm like I had a very similar situation to you where I actually got pregnant right after high school and went straight into college got my master's degree like was working and yeah our our first babies did spend like a lot of time in other people's care and then when our second babies come around we're like oh my gosh I kind of want to stay home so I did the same thing I kind of flipped with her and stayed home after a period of time and I'm still home but now I'm like like, I was just meeting up with a friend, and she's like, yeah, you stay at home. Like, I love that. I wish I could do that. I was like, I do, but I also kind of, like, work full time. Like, it's this weird, yeah. I still work, but I'm in the home, but it's confusing. Anyways, yeah, with our babies, it's like every every child is, like, in the best way and also in the hardest way, a brand new experience. So, yes, we learn mm-hmm. things with each child, but it's like sometimes new babies, like with Ruth, she brought so many other complexities to the story because she had a birth defect. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never dealt oh. with that before. What do we do? And then, like with Ray our third baby was just like a wild experience she was like a home birth baby <laughs> born in 2020 like is the oh whole gosh, world the is on fire baby. yeah it is. she's just like sturdy like she could rock climb like sturdy she's she's she incredible. very sturdy she's yeah. wild anyways yeah so I love your kind That's of awesome. yeah you can you can look at your kids and you can be like wow you guys have very similar stories um a little bit different treatment in the beginning and like how does it how do your bodies handle that what a beautiful thing yeah. you can adjust it's not to say like hey I made mistakes as a mother or, or I wish I would have done things differently you can still make improvements right where you see fit but like it's so interesting to look at your kids and we talked about that actually on a podcast episode called adaptive parenting kind of tapping into we each, all start somewhere yeah tapping into each kid's strengths and weaknesses even if it's stuff that's you're like hey we can improve your health in this way how can we do that so and, and yeah. additionally there's always these sayings of, you know, the terrible twos and, you know. Oh, I hate that. Like, there's all these sayings about, like, the stages of life and yeah. how hard it is. And and I always tell people, it's like, it's not that kids have stages that are more difficult than others. It's that every stage is different. And if you're not adapting and changing and growing along with your child, then, yeah, they're going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Because this, and, and people are like, well, last year was just so much easier. Like, yeah, you're going to look back on a year that you've already figured out <laughs> and it's always going to look easier. Yeah. You know, when yeah. they were one, it was just yeah. so much easier than their two. And two was so much easier than they were three. It's always going to be that way because kids are growing and they're changing. And we have an 11 year old that acts like a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. So um, in a good way, in not in like way. a bad way. Well, yeah. sometimes. Anyways, um, she's growing and changing and there's always new stages and we have to grow and adapt and change the way that we parent. Yeah. And um, it's just, no one talks about that. I don't know why no people don't talk about, about that. that. But hey, 
here we are. Well, so. Hannah's talking about it. Okay, so you're yes. in, you're in this in between. You move out. You're um, you said you finished your undergrad in. So I'm curious mm-hmm. the nutrition science piece. Like today, with your understanding of real food, how much did that align with what you were taught in school? Um, a little bit. Okay. So I want to say I don't want to say none, but I know we'll get into the dietetics um whole thing, and. What's real, which is a whole story in itself. So yeah, we live in Orlando, finished that. I was starting to start my business, I, podcasting, blogging. I was literally mm. just dipping my toe when my daughter was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did also like a postgraduate program. It was about a year long. And it was definitely, that's where I learned more functional medicine. It was more like herbals. Mm. I did a little homeopathy, even though I don't practice with it. Um, just th- those types of healthcare yeah. was more so in that like postgraduate one year program. Um, and then that was really helpful because I was helping plant the seeds of like the functional medicine aspect because my undergrad is pretty basic. And I will say um, my, even though it was just a bachelor's in nutrition science, it technically isn't approved by the Dietetic Association. Um, So I couldn't sit for the RD exam. Mm. I honestly didn't want to um, because they are very usually conventional. Not saying this is for all dietitians because my whole team is dietitians, Mm. but usually what that program is setting you up for is like honestly hospital jobs Mm -hmm. so like tube feedings very conventional they also are you know previously funded by general mills and coke and pepsi and i just had a problem with that um so that's why i didn't really care that my undergrad wasn't approved by the dietetic association so the dietetics association was funded by food companies yeah, um, I don't know. I'm sure they still are. But I think like a couple years ago, yeah, they got donated millions of dollars from Coke and Pepsi and General Mills, um, different programs that they set up. Um, all the recommendations are pretty standard, like still low fat, um, saturated fat is bad, still mm-hmm. all those typical mm-hmm. old school nutrition thinking. Um, I know this year the Dietetic Association is sponsored by Abbott, what is Abbott? Do I know what that is? Baby food. It's right. it's like the formula, formula slash pharmaceuticals oh, stop slash it. no. And they just went under a all big, the bad stuff. Didn't, didn't Abbott just go under a big lawsuit for the sanitation and cleanliness of their facility or something? Like that? I think I remember that. I think that was for formula actually, yeah. um, which I feel comfortable talking about this stuff with your community yeah. because I know you guys really emphasize real foods and all that. Not that I'm saying I'm anti-pharmaceuticals, but I think that there's a bias there that I just didn't want to be yeah, associated yeah, with. Totally. Um, Seems like a very obvious but, conflict of interest that like <laughs> I think maybe people just don't. I, I didn't realize that. So yeah, that's, I didn't know that. But it's a concern. <clears throat> hospital jobs also use tube feedings and nutrition from Abbott. Okay. So I think that's why there's like a direct connection is because all the hospital supplies that dietitians use in their jobs are from these big pharmaceutical companies Mm -hmm. like Abbott and Bayer Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what made me not really care that I wasn't a quote unquote RD. Now, after I graduated, I didn't really know that every state had different laws for dietitians and who can teach nutrition and who can't every state is very different Mm -hmm. so florida is a very big red state so you have to be a dietitian Mm -hmm. in order to practice Mm -hmm. you're not a dietitian you are not practicing nutrition not even a personal trainer can give um nutrition advice in florida Mm -hmm. 
I found out the hard way. So I started my business. Again, super great area. I just started to see a couple of clients. Um, I then realized laws, but I also was like, you know what? Like personal trainers can do this stuff all the time. Like I'm sure I'll be fine. No girl, I was not fine. But such a blessing in disguise, but it was hands down my worst nightmare happening. Someone called to schedule someone from the health, Florida Health Department, called a schedule, a like, cl- fake client. Oh, no. They met me up, met up with me, and they kind of served me papers. Like, are you Lahana? I said, yes, I am. And they're like, you've been served. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, th- I, this is my worst nightmare. I kid you not, it was like a movie where, like, they froze, or they're moving, but, like, everything in the background was, like, yes, blurred. Yes. And I was like, Oh my God, this is happening. I kept it together, but I definitely went to my car and cried. But anyways, so that left me of like, I, well, I can't grow here because, and they said that they're like, I've been watching you for the last couple months on like your website and what you're sharing. They're like, we know, you know what you're talking about. Why don't you sit for the RD exam? And I said, well, my undergrad is not approved by the Dietetics Association, so I can't. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I also don't want to. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to give my money towards association that I don't agree with. So that left us with a big, like, crap. It's a great area. So, you know, company kind of pivoted of doing digital stuff, the things that I could do but could not work one-on-one. And then we went to a conference here in Austin, and we were not planning on it. We literally just bought, like, a house in Florida and everything. Um, We came here. Conference was great. Started exploring and I just had this really overwhelming feeling of like, I'm supposed to be here. Wow. And again, not planned. We just bought a house. We weren't not, nope. The kids started, my son was in kindergarten. So we kind of, we kind of started laying seeds in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I think we should be here. And then lo and behold, when we looked at the laws, Texas is a green state. So I could see people. And I was like, I think that there's a reason for that. So we packed up and moved wow. um and that was 2017. wow so that's what brought that's not the only thing that brought us to austin it just more so worked that way of like uh this is amazing mm-hmm. i can see people here in austin i'm feeling called here i love the culture i love um all the nature out here it just worked out so we moved and then we got settled here and that's honestly i feel like when i really started going hard in business and really marketing and all that stuff and then I started my master's 20, when did I graduate? 2019, I think, okay. or 2018. And that was a two-year program. Did it all online through University of Western States in Portland. They are the only graduate degree that is directly partnered up with the IFM, which is the Institute of Functional Medicine. Mm-hmm. So I was going to do UT's program. Um, they had a master's nutrition program, but it just wasn't functional medicine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't want to waste my money and like I'm not going to agree with half the stuff that you're talking about so that's why I chose the program I did for my master's and then like I what we talked about before I'm starting my doctorate in October Mm -hmm. same same school but just taking a little bit further awesome I love that why do you think that there's one program that is connected to the um, functional medicine network like is it does it have to be that way or is it just like what is that I I mean, I think functional medicine is like just taking off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's been around for a little bit, but I just feel like it hasn't been totally integrated mm-hmm. into regular care. I'm sure we'll see that coming up very differently in the future. Mm-hmm. But 
for right now, everything, I just loved how they broke it down to, like, my, my professors that were MDs, RDs, NDs, they're all different types. So I loved the different viewpoints and experience each professor kind of brought in. Mm-hmm. And I loved how, since they are directed with the IFM, every course was like cardiometabolic, gastrointestinal, and then the gastrointestinal, like they had the IFM worksheets that like you really are taught upon. And so I don't, I don't know why that is, but I just, I loved that it did that because I'm like, this is everything I was looking for. Yeah. The, the biggest differentiation, and I think sometimes right now, like if you say like, oh, I'm going to a functional MD and they're just like, oh, wow, like woohoo doctor. Like there's still a little bit of that because you're right. It hasn't fully come online. I think, I think it, it kind of just depends on which circles you sit in also. But I think yeah. just the biggest differentiation is like functional medicine views the body as a whole and systems are interconnected and like we can talk about how things impact each other versus I can't get over like when I hear someone who's like 60, maybe 55 or 60 years old, they have a blood doctor, a heart doctor, a gastrointestinal doctor, a, um, I don't even know, like a, a dermatologist. They have like a million different people they have to see every year and I'm like don't you guys know that all these systems interconnect like can't you just see one person who speaks to that and it's like that that yeah. concept hasn't really clicked because for some reason we chopped everything up and segmented it so that we view the body in these very like compartmentalized ways but then when we go to heal then we have to heal each thing individually instead of saying like which is exactly what you guys do hey let's focus on healing the systems let's get to the root cause and then we can move forward it's like we're still trying to turn that wheel a little bit as a culture. I think in the U.S. specifically, other countries, I think, are way, way beyond us in terms of, like, how much they they view the body as a whole piece. But it's just I always wonder, like, what are people's resistance to the functional medicine piece? Are they worried about it? Is it because it asks more of the patient? Like, it is more like you do have to be an active participant it's like what we talked about with home birth it's like home birth is not like a passive experience not saying hospital birth is either but it can be with my c-section with ruthie that was a passive experience i didn't even have access to my hands versus my home birth with ray right it's just a different different understanding of patient responsibility and practitioner responsibility Mm -hmm. so sorry i agree i know no, it's, it's so true. And I, I think that's why a lot of people come to us really frustrated yeah. as I've seen the gastrointestinal doctor. I've been to this doctor and this type of doctor. And it's like, no one can figure it out because they're, they are trying to split yeah. the body into certain parts. I'm like, you just can't. Right. <laughs> that's not how the body works. Um, now, I wish I, I, I might have gone through getting an MD if I knew functional medicine was mm-hmm. a thing. But definitely at the time, functional medicine, naturopathic doctors, that was absolutely you never heard of that. So I feel like it is just starting to begin. Um, and I think it the resistance of it actually integrating is, yeah, a lot of functional medicine stuff isn't covered mm-hmm. by insurance. And that kind of geeks people out. And, you know, I get it. I pay for insurance too, but I also pay, I'm so used to paying providers out of pocket now. It doesn't bug me. It's just a part of my yeah. life. But at the beginning, yeah, it's kind of like, whoa, like, why am I not doing it under insurance? I'm like, it's just a different type of care. It is. And you you do have to literally step completely outside the system to get certain care. And we're on that right now. Like, we have a health sharing situation. It's not technically medical insurance. And so we pay out of pocket for everything. But our, the practitioners we see are like, they would never be 
covered under insurance anyway. So it's just, it is, it makes yeah. you, I once was asked like, well, if they're not covered under insurance, like how do you know what they're doing is legit? <laughs> I was like, since when does the insurance company write my treatment plan? Like I'm not comfortable with that, but that's what ends up happening because mm-hmm. of the way that codes are set up. And I know it's a really, um, complex system and I don't want to down people who are in that because I understand they're trying to work and help people it's the same thing we talk about with food when we say hey anytime you're trying to systemize something for a large population you have to go about it this way that's why the USDA is like uh I guess we'll tell everyone to eat canola oil because this is what we're seeing (laughs) it's like when we get away from that it's wild yeah well, I've talked to so many doctors, and honestly, so many doctors can barely make a living mm. when they're doing insurance practice, insurance care. Um, and it's just so hard because not only to, for them to make a lot, they have to shove a lot of patients in in a day, mm. and now patient care quality is going mm. down. And then so there's just, we, I think everyone that goes into the health field has a heart to help, yeah. but I think some just kind of fall into falling into that like this is how I'm taught so this is the only thing I know is like prescribing meds so like I can't really get too mad at them because they're only doing what they know but there is like such a huge world out Mm -hmm. there that um that I fell in love with of piecing everything together and getting down to the root of utilizing like diet and lifestyle changes okay it's like what makes the difference So let's talk about this then because your biggest thing is like gut health and hormones I know these two things are really confusing for people especially like the average woman I think I'm really excited that the hormonal health and like the metabolism, all these kind of systems are becoming more trendy to talk about in like a good way. I think women are like, oh, we can control these things through food and exercise and lifestyle. That's exciting. But then sometimes we don't know exactly what we're working with. So give us give us the hormonal breakdown a little bit to give some context into like the rest of our conversation. So hormones are little molecules um, and they're, I think of them as little messengers Mm -hmm. and they like talk to different parts of the body to make it happen, right? Because everything is honestly just an assembly line (laughs) in our body (laughs) in every aspect. So the hormones just like to talk to other parts of the body. So the main hormones we work with are your sex Mm -hmm. hormones, which are estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, thyroid, and insulin. Um, So estrogen is needed to help for women, because I know we'll probably talk cycle stuff, Estrogen is needed for the egg um, to grow that follicle to lead to ovulation. Mm-hmm. And then progesterone happens after ovulation, and its part is to grow the uterine lining for that potential baby to mm-hmm. implant. Because whether we like it or not, whether you're trying for a baby or not trying for a baby, the body wants to try for a baby every yeah. month. Like that is the Super Bowl. Ovulation is a Super Bowl, and that's what we're always trying to work around. So that's how those sex hormones play a role. We have cortisol, which is our stress hormone, and that gets us up in the morning. It shoots up high in the sky. Well, not too high, hopefully, but high enough um, to wake you up, make you feel energized, help you get going for the Mm -hmm. day. And it also allows us to escape the dangerous situations. Mm -hmm. So if there is a tiger or there is a robber or something, Mm -hmm. it spikes up so you can get away and save yourself. And it actually also plays an incredible immune response. I think cortisol gets talked down a lot being the stress hormone but actually if you don't have enough cortisol it increases your chance of autoimmune Mm. diseases so it actually helps regulate the immune system thyroid hormone influences our metabolism Mm. our digestion and then insulin is our blood sugar hormone and that helps shuttle glucose that's floating around in your blood to go inside the cell to make energy Mm -hmm. to make atp Mm -hmm. so there's honestly those are just 
the basic hormones, but honestly, there is so many hormones. There's like ghrelin, leptin, there's hunger hormones. There's so many hormones in the body that I'm not even skimming the surface, but those are just the top ones, you know, conversations happen about because those tend to be some of the ones that go off a little wacky yes. first yes. and what uh, yeah because i hear things like estrogen dominance or i have low progesterone or like um we know people that have had to take progesterone shots during pregnancy to keep a viable pregnancy or and women have testosterone yeah. too right we just have it in lower levels so mm-hmm. we need that too yeah the cortisol piece yeah. um we kind of started like learning about that when we listened to the andrew huberman podcast talking about like how that spikes in the morning and then slowly comes down over the day so you don't want to um, like hijack that experience by drinking caffeine too early before your body naturally kind of wakes itself up mm-hmm. and like I'm starting to learn that cortisol can be good and bad right like you said like I think a lot of times people are like oh my cortisol levels are too high but then we forget like hey it actually has a good function in the body we need it we want it yeah. um okay so those are the systems in place it, what is usually going on where we can where we get to the assumption like hey my hormones are off like what what drives people to even say that sentence in the first place? Um, what we see is mostly weight gain and or like stubborn weight loss, mm-hmm. um, fatigue, irregular slash painful cycles. Because mm-hmm. um, I think with, with women, we are taught like, oh, you have to take Midol or Advil. Girl, you're just a woman. No, actually, you're not supposed to have painful cycles. Nice. <laughs> um, insomnia, brain fog, acne, um, hair loss, headaches, infertility problems, obviously. Um, mood swings, you name it. So I... The thing with hormones is that those are all like symptoms, the main ones we see, but they're all actually related to every single hormone I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So like cortisol, thyroid hormone, progesterone, estrogen. So like really in order to understand like what hormone it is, you like you have to do testing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's impossible to say like, okay, I have these three that's related to estrogen. I must have estrogen Mm -hmm. dominance. No, it could also mean, you know, cortisol issues. Um, But it's crazy that so many women leave high school and we I didn't know anything about my cycle like I didn't know that estrogen peaks in the beginning to help stimulate that ovulation then progesterone you know is high and then both estrogen and progesterone go low and that's what stimulates us to bleed Mm. because it's signaling like hey there's no baby here um so like I didn't even know the basics which is so crazy to me it's like why aren't we taught that in health class we're taught so many other terrible things I I just I'm like I want to (laughs) unlearn and unsee those visuals like if anyone else Joey didn't experience public school health class but whoa it's insane (laughs) I can't even you you, I don't know safety was safe I don't know how the teacher sat in the room I just honestly would have gone outside anyways yeah the cycle thing so something really cool and honestly like I'm still in the beginning I I don't know a ton about um I'm I'm like to the point where I'm like okay I know I might crave different foods per week (laughs) for my cycle and I also know like when I can generally get pregnant but that's pretty much all I know right now so I'm learning too with the audience but one of the beautiful things is Sophie my oldest daughter and I have gone through this like puberty course from this girl um her handle is body talk basics and it does such a good job of taking mothers and daughters through the course of just like learning about their bodies puberty their hormones um what their body's going to do when they have their first menstrual cycle how they can have babies and so it like it takes the like weirdness ooey gooeyness out of it and it also 
um, speaks to it in a way where like now Sophie has the language to come ask me like, hey, mom, is this thing normal? Or, hey, have you ever experienced this? And it opens a line of communication. And I'm just like, man, what a blessing that is that I'm so glad we're like progressing as a society to, hey, let's educate women about their bodies. Let's talk to them about because they're so complex, right? It's like, and I don't want to dog on men. I'm sure men have intricacies inside of them that maybe they need to pay attention to i don't know but it's like women are left we got a lot going on you know yeah women are like literally on a roller coaster (laughs) men at least have some stability joey's just sitting here like i I feel like i'm on a roller coaster right now if i find some interesting i'll let you know you know if i if i find those do you ever feel like different through the month no you're you don't go through anything (laughs) i feel pretty i do solid i do think that there's a male period no i'm just kidding (laughs) It's, it could be a There's thing. some sassiness that can I happen. Like, yeah, <laughs> residual attitude maybe seeps off of me and on to you. Mm. Um, okay, so you talked about testing, right? So this is the other thing, too, is, okay, say I'm experiencing some symptoms. And nowadays, people can go online and Google whatever they want and probably come up with their own self-diagnosis. But, like, that's going to lead them down a rabbit hole that might or might not be effective. So this is why I love what you do because you basically have – you have like generated this team of people who are all on the same page but also like bring their own strengths and help serve people at the individual level because without having some of those diagnostic um testing uh metrics in hand you're really not going to know what you're working with so talk to us about like what kind of testing someone might go through to realize um hey this these are the particular levels we're dealing with or these are the deficiencies and then how you move them through that system yeah um i know it's testing i love testing i love data like i am like cut through the bs like let's just understand your body because i do it's it's really funny like if you have a tooth issue you go to a dentist mm-hmm. your car needs an oil change you go to the mechanic but for some reason nutrition is like a diy like whatever your neighbor is doing whatever mlm is out whatever <laughs> freaking you find on pinterest you you do and i'm like why for some reason in our industry everyone just wants to diy and i'm just like let's Stop wasting time. I'm not joking. I talk to women who are in their 50s who have been trying to do it for like 30 years. And I'm like, oh my God, like I could, we could have, I wasn't born yet, but if I was, I could have saved you from 30 years of like guesswork. Um, And I'm so passionate about like just getting, like get down to the nitty gritty. And so there's so much testing and, you know, a lot of the big bad boy labs that we do, like comprehensive stool testing and urine urinary hormones and micronutrient testing, which is done via blood, um, toxins that are done via urine, all that stuff, that is not covered by insurance. So again, I think it geeks people Mm -hmm. out because it's not covered by insurance. There are some things that are covered by insurance, like full thyroid panels, which we should be getting yearly, um, making sure you're checking blood sugar and inflammation and CBCs. Like Those are things that we can. But unless you have a good doctor, um, which that's sad I have to say that, just because like uh, I'm, and maybe it's just I'm tainted from how many women we've talked mm-hmm. to, even if they don't become patients, just discovery calls that I've been on is that they're like, yeah, I, I would be a millionaire, honestly, if I got a dollar every time I heard this. Like, yeah, my doctor checked my thyroid. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, I, we can definitely use the lab work you've already done. And then I go to check it and it's just TSH. And basically what TSH is, it's testing your brain is talking to your thyroid. That's it. It doesn't tell me how much thyroid hormone you're making. It's just assuming, because there's a feedback loop, it's just assuming that 
oh, if your brain is talking to your thyroid just fine, then my thyroid should be making enough. But there's a lot of things that can go, like, that can kind of mess up from you making thyroid hormone, which is T4, and is activating to active thyroid hormone, which is T3. That conversion could be lower, and you could absolutely still be feeling hypothyroid symptoms. Mm -hmm. So you're now getting dismissed that your thyroid's fine by just testing TSH when there's a whole slew of things. So you have to have a practitioner that you can go to and say, can I get a full thyroid Mm -hmm. panel? Not just TSH, can I get full thyroid? Um, When I check my blood sugar, we definitely check A1C and glucose. What about insulin Mm -hmm. though? Insulin's never checked unless you initiate it. And I can't blame, like, none of us really know unless we're in this field of, like, what to ask for. Like, I do think that this should just be something that should be taught and doctors should just Mm -hmm. know. But I've also had patients who are in the medical field that are nurses and stuff. And I've gotten responses like, I didn't know I could actually test for insulin. Um, I can't test for insulin because insurance needs to approve it and they won't approve it because you're not diabetic. Mm. And there's all these different rules that is just really annoying Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I think stops people from getting the information that they need for the labs that are covered by insurance. So we do usually look over what people have done and let them know like, yeah, like you, you miss these markers, you need them. And or like, oh, you got all the markers done, but functional medicine has a very small lens of looking at labs. Like these are, this is the reference range of optimal Mm -hmm. versus zero to four is a reference range for conventional. And you could have like Mm 0.1 and they'd be like, you're Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're not fine. (laughs) So, So one, so what you're saying is basically a traditional doctor who might not be in the functional medicine world might see your ranges and say, yeah, that's good for us. But a functional medicine practitioner would be more specialized in that. They would be like, hey, we actually want to figure out optimal ranges here. And you're actually outside of that. And you could have two very different opinions. And then no wonder the patient is confused because they're like, wait a second. I still feel bad, but you're telling me everything's fine. I can't tell you how many times I've heard um, just from like friends and peers of like, yeah, I was feeling really sluggish and having trouble losing weight and all these other issues. But like everyone says my thyroid's fine. And we're just like, what does that even mean? Like, what are Mm -hmm. we looking at? Are we looking at it under a microscope? Like what's going on? So like you're saying they're, they're measuring and how do they measure that feedback loop? Is that a blood panel? Like, are they looking for a certain chemical in the blood to tell you how your brain's communicating to your thyroid? So that's TSH is like your brain talking to your thyroid. So that's just saying like technically if your thyroid was low, then your brain would have um, super high levels um, to like, you know, demand more that your thyroid to work. But that's not always the case because, again, someone could have normal levels, but for that individual, maybe it is suboptimal for them. And maybe that's why they're still feeling like crap, even though it is quote unquote normal. Um, and you're you're right, Google. I stopped Googling on Google because you're always going to die. <laughs> like you always have cancer. It's true. <laughs> you can escalate so quickly. And how much does like fear and anxiety yeah. also uh, perpetuate our physical ailments? Like that's the last thing you exactly. need to do is go to someone who's like feeling kind of sick. Be like, hey, you 65% says you have cancer. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have worse pains now. Like it's true. You feel terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I, oh, I so love much. that you cut through that, you get to the diagnostics, and you're like, hey. And you can do that through, so stool is wild to me. People are just like mailing you their poo samples. Like, how does that functionally work? 
Are you giving well, them? Well, I mean, not me. They, they, the I, we send them a kit to take the sample okay. and then they take okay. it to a lab. But I, I've always wondered the people who test it. I'm like, did they think one day they would have a career in like digging through people's Yeah, people? like that circulates in <laughs> the know? regular mail. That's kind of wild to me. Okay, so they're doing stool samples. They're oh doing, gosh. which honestly are really, really informative, right? Because they can look at gut bacteria. Yeah. You can look at all kinds of things. You're doing urine samples. Um, and you said that's more for like hormones that can show up in the urine and also environmental toxins. I mm-hmm. think mold and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think another confusing piece is like when you get to like say heavy metals testing, right? There's a lot of discrepancy there because people will do a blood test um, and they'll say, hey, I, you don't have any, you know, whatever in your blood, you're fine. Or hey, you have two high levels, but like doesn't talk about the tissue. And so I know people who do like a urine test, they have to take like a, a pill or something to draw that out into the urine and then they test the sample. So even within testing, it's still not really clear cut. And unless for someone like Lahana, who has all of this background knowledge, I'm going to be sitting in the office like, wait a minute, explain this to me. So I like that you have like yeah. already selected what is working best for your people. You you run them through these series of tests and they get the paperwork back. What does that like path to healing typically include for them? Because I know it's so individualized yeah. and you have dietitians hired. So like, how yeah. do those work together as a network to help your patients or your clients, I guess? I yeah. Say. I love individual, like individualization because, again, we, we go to Facebook groups, we ask for opinions, but you really need to test and work with someone who knows your body inside out and not just, you know, your current lab tests. I know when we do our first session, which is an hour long, we spend about 30 minutes literally talking about traumas you had in elementary school health conditions, you were on antibiotics for ear infections, like from two to five. Like we are literally trying to take you as like a whole person and understand you from literally when you were in your mom's belly to now. So taking all of that information, all the labs, your symptoms and, you know, other typical questionnaire stuff, like that's what really leads you to your next steps. Because someone can have the same diagnosis like PCOS, but there's two different types of care plans. One person might have to focus on blood sugar balance and this other person might have to focus on supporting the adrenals. Mm-hmm. Um, some Someone that has a parasite, one person may be able to go straight to killing doing antiparasitics and some people, if their immune system, which is tested in our stool test, if that's low, I do not want you to be taking antiparasitics right away. You need to support your immune system, support the body first, and then mm-hmm. we kill. So there's different pathways ways for every person, um, depending on what they have going on. And like you mentioned, just like with Googling and, you know, someone's bloated, they're like, oh, I definitely have a parasite. They'll just take antiparasitics. And now it really the big issue was that they were just struggling to digest fats and proteins. And now they took antiparasitics that probably affected their good bacteria mm-hmm. that ha- they actually didn't have any issues with. And that's why it's like so important just to understand what's going on. And so once we have your labs, we can guide you to, through that. Like, what should you be doing for diet? Do you need supplements? I always say this hesitant because I think some people are a little nervous mm-hmm. of working with someone of being just given so many supplements, which... I will be the first to admit saying that functional medicine can sometimes be guilty of a pill for every yeah. ill, but it's like a supplement for yeah. every ill. So we got to make sure that, cool, you're taking turmeric for inflammation. Well, we still need to understand why inflammation is happening. Yeah. You shouldn't have to take turmeric to tame inflammation. Yeah. So it's like still unpeeling and keep asking why. But there's diet stuff, supplements, different lifestyle things where we can incorporate exercise changes, stress, environmental toxin exposure. Like these are all things, sleep 
all of those little wheels need to be turning for you to start moving into healing. But we don't throw it all at you. We definitely like slow it down, focus on one thing at a time, make sure you're not overwhelmed because it can be an overwhelming thing when you are, you have a lot going on, which is actually why we do a lot of gut stuff first before we even touch on sex hormones because your sex hormones, your estrogen, progesterone, it's really actually responsive to everything else. So like gut health issues, adrenal, blood sugar, thyroid, before we can even touch sex hormones, those are all the things that need to be kind of in place. And I like starting gut health because there's such a direct connection to gut and hormones. Mm -hmm. Because if your gut is off and your bacteria is off, it can increase certain enzymes, something called like Mm beta-glucuronidase. And that can actually reabsorb hormones trying to leave the body, reabsorb toxins that are ready to leave the Mm -hmm. body. And now you're struggling with estrogen dominance. So these are all the, I just like starting with gut because you can't go wrong. It's the first place we kind of interact with our environment. Can we break down our food? Can we get the nutrients from our food? Because if you can't, of course your thyroid's gonna be wacky. It needs nutrients to function. Yeah. So I love starting gut and then just going from there for each individual um, of what that might look like depending on what they're struggling mm-hmm. with. Yeah, if you think about your gut as this big long tube that starts all the way from your mouth and your nose all the way down to the end, um, it is literally like the opening gateway to the outside world. Like everything inside the gut is came from the outside. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's so, if that... There's so much communication that goes on there. There's so much breakdown that's potential there. There's so much, you know, it's not just like, hey, in your small intestine, this is it. It's very long. Um, We had a woman on the podcast that was all about nasal biome, which is like, it's really part of like Mm -hmm. that initial setup, right? And it was just fascinating hearing from her about how you can support your nasal passageways because those are part of the body coming in contact with the outside world is what, Mm -hmm. what you just said. So... I think that's really smart. I'd love to hear your sort of um, like gut healing philosophy or the ways that you take some of the diagnostic testing and turn that into practical tools. Because I think, again, when people hear gut healing, they're like, okay, what does that mean? Do I need to cut out vegetables? Do I need to cut out dairy? Like there's, again, so much because people have been DIYing um, because they're looking for answers. They haven't had people and not... You know, not every town has um, a, a beautiful place where you can like walk in and get specialized nutrition coaching. So tell us about your yeah. gut healing philosophy and some of the things that you've seen help your clients. Yeah. And I actually love that you mentioned that because it, it definitely makes sense because for people who have chronic gut issues, um, and I tend to start leaning towards like, okay, you might have some mold mm-hmm. because one of the things with gut health, mold loves to, you know, be in the gut, be in those like moist places. And one of the places is our sinuses. So when you are addressing mold issues, you have to be addressing sinuses where mold can mm-hmm. be. Because if you don't, you are re-inoculating every time you're swallowing. And then that's where like chronic dysbiosis of that good bacteria, bad bacteria balance can be off skew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that, you know, that connection has been yeah. mentioned. Um, it really is just a long tube. It really is just a but, long tube. <laughs> but what we see with uh, gut health, um, we love to start with food first. Um, I definitely don't like jumping into various supplements um, until we have some data to know exactly what you need because it's also a waste of money. Um, But we like starting off with um, really well-cooked foods, Um, honestly answering the question, can you kill it or can you grow it? 
if you can answer those two questions as a yes, you're probably onto something about eating real mm. foods. Um, everyone's really different in how they feel with foods. Like some people can do legumes, some people can't. Some people can do grains, some people can't. Same with dairy and you name it. Um, so I... I don't like long-term restrictive diets because ultimately you need diversity. You need these foods that are properly prepared and soaked in sprouted mm-hmm. grains and legumes. Everyone's amount that they should be intaking could be very different. Some people can only have a little. Some are okay big. Um, but we want diversity to help support the microbiome long-term because we see a lot of like low short-chain fatty acids, which are produced by your good gut bacteria mm-hmm. um, and that usually are produced when they're munching on little fermentable goodies. Um, very rarely do we have to eliminate certain vegetables. Like, I don't like low FODMAP diets. Actually, I know it's really common for gut health. Um, studies show that it actually hurts bacteria in the long term because I think it just takes away certain fibers that your good bacteria need to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just like to keep it real simple um, with well-cooked foods at first. Um, similar to GAPS, but not exactly GAPS. Um, we have, I know you chatted with someone about GAPS, which is a great um, program for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and just slowly like reintroducing just certain foods and how they work for them. And then people might realize too that as their gut gets better, um, they can have certain foods, even things like raw dairy, that they never have been able to have mm-hmm. before. And that's like where we want to mm-hmm. get to. Um, but I like, yeah, I like things like L-glutamine is really great. It's an amino acid needed for healthy intestinal lining. Um, I think that's a pretty safe one for a lot of people. Are they taking um, that in, I like in dig- supplement form or are they getting that from a food source? Yeah. Okay, supplement form? Supplement form, especially if you have gut issues, you usually need a higher Mm -hmm. dose. But it's also in like bone broth and stuff, which is a huge part Mm -hmm. of um, a gut healing diet. And um, digestive enzymes can be really helpful. But again, long term, I don't think you need to rely on digestive enzymes forever. We really do got to get down to the root of why you're not naturally producing these enzymes. Mm -hmm. But they can be really helpful in the moment to help just break down your foods a little bit better and eliminate some of the symptoms. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really different for everyone, but we just like to make sure that it's eating enough, eating on a regular basis and eating good food, animal proteins, vegetables, um, fruits, nuts, seeds. Sometimes that's more so introduced a little bit later on, not right away. Cause those can be triggering for some mm-hmm. people. Um, but once we get the stool test back, it like helps us so much of like how fast we can go, how slow we need to go all that which is great because the stool test is giving you like what are you measuring there because you're measuring gut bacteria you're measuring are you also measuring micronutrient counts from that no you said that's from your blood so stool stool, what is that telling you exactly so we test for um like five different inflammation inflammation markers um one inflammation marker um, it's an acinophil protein, and I love it because while we test for yeast, parasites, bacteria, pathogenic bacteria, good back like your probiotics, mm-hmm. um, as well as what we call opportunistic bacteria, um, that is bacteria that it will always be in the gut, strep, staph, E. coli, yeah. but when at high levels, they will throw a party yeah. and make you feel like crap. Yeah. Um, we test all those, but I love the acinophil protein because it can help us pick up hidden parasites mm-hmm. because parasites don't drop with every stool mm-hmm. dropping. So I love that we test digestive enzymes, fecal fats, how much fat is found in your stool, um, pancreatic elastase. So just understanding like how you digest 
protein, carbs, fats, um, the short chain fatty acids I mentioned, bile acid metabolites to give us some liver insights, your immune system, how your army is down there. Because if your army is not good, you're absolutely going to chronically struggle with bacteria issues and parasites and all that. Um, The beta glucuronidase enzyme. So letting us know, like, are you reabsorbing toxins and Mm -hmm. hormones? Um, Occult blood, which is more so for things like Crohn's and colitis Mm -hmm. and cancer. So there's some typical things like that, um, as well as intestinal permeability, like zonulin. And um, it actually does test for how you are with wheat. Um, So it has like an anti-gliadin. But I know a lot of people like food sensitivities and they want to test for it. But I honestly don't jump to that unless you ha- you come back with crazy high inflammation and we do need to take action as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Or um, you're just really curious. But a lot of food sensitivities are coming because of there's something going on in gut mm. health. And so once you improve that, your food sensitivities will get better. So this is so fascinating. The timing of this is wild to me because I was just with <laughs> a friend, literally just before we hopped on here, who struggles with digesting red meat like she cannot digest red meat even beef or venison and so I was like oh that's so funny I was just like on this uh I don't know if you follow strong sisters but they were on the podcast before and they just posted a post about varying your proteins and someone in their comment section said hey what if I am allergic to red meat and her response was like hey well red meat's high in zinc make sure you're getting zinc from like oysters or other shellfish and um, this friend that I was with was like, yeah, I also can't do shellfish and I also can't do X, Y, Z. And she like listed off so many things. And I was like, man, like I really want to like go out to eat and hang out with you. But like I don't I'll for sure cook you <laughs> dinner for sure. But like eating out would be such a challenge. So what do you yeah. can you help people like that? Or is there a point where like our because from my understanding with our conversation with River, who was the GAPS practitioner, she was saying like your gut lining is re your cells are re um birthing themselves like every so often so you're there's there's room for healing essentially and so Mm -hmm. i'm so curious when i hear someone that's like got these really restrictive um dietary situation because like they feel really sick and she's like no i literally don't have the enzymes created to break these foods down is that something where like addressing hormonal health and gut health can help um, ease those symptoms so she at one point could go back to those foods or are there people that are like genetic wild cards you're like yeah I don't know you know like what how yeah how, how does that happen I'm so curious yeah no absolutely food sensitivities can absolutely change and mm. I would even I mean it sounds like she might have a lot of sensitivities but um if you really understand what's going on in your gut health, yeah, you can definitely not struggle yeah. with those. Allergies are a little different. Allergies can be a little stubborn and they kind of are like for mm-hmm. good. That's an IgE response. Okay. Um, but I would argue too, like, yeah, I'm curious. We test meat mm-hmm. fibers in the stool test. So I'm curious if meat fibers would come back high for her. So is it not just a food sensitivity? Is it just she can't digest mm-hmm. it very well? Hence why she might feel like crap after eating it. Um, but again with people who have a lot of food triggers i'm like what's going on in your gut because the the solution isn't just to avoid them it's really understanding what is causing your body to be triggering all these foods and something too i want to know with food sensitivities because there's so many tests on the market and i won't name any names because honestly it's like 99 percent of tests <laughs> on the market test for igg 
response for food sensitivities. So I like to think of IgG as like a little mailman and it like delivers the, you know, the goods. So it can be either like a fun present that you got on Amazon or it could Mm. be like a bill. So we, no one likes bills. So when you test the mailman, it doesn't tell you if inflammation AKA Bill, is the next step? Or is it just saying, oh, hey, I, I recognize you ate this food. Yeah. Cool. And it's, it's, it's not actually causing inflammation because food sensitivities are supposed to be, it's yes. inflammatory. So just because you, ta- you have a higher IgG level doesn't mean that that's a food sensitivity. So I know a lot of people who do things uh, screw it, like Everly Well mm-hmm. or whatever. And they're like, I don't, like, it says I shouldn't eat them. When that really just could be like, oh, no, your body's just... Saying, hey, like you. it realizes that there's there's food yeah. that you ate. Um, or it could it could have it could mean inflammation, but not always. And then there's also food sensitivities that are not immunoglobulin based. They're actually called like type four hypersensitivities that don't even use that uh, response. So you could absolutely miss those in G- mm-hmm. IgG testing for food sensitivities. IgG stands for immunoglobulin. What's the other G? G. G. Oh, G. Okay. Yeah, G. Um, so yeah, that's that's my little spiel with food sensitivities. So I don't always love to hop into it because I think it can cause a lot more stress than needed. Like I would rather get to the root and do stool testing. And honestly, we've never really needed to go further into food sensitivities because people just mm. feel better. And isn't it funny how <laughs> like our culture, our society is so quick to blame the food, right? It's like because it does it makes them feel bad and that's legitimate but at some point we have to ask ourselves like hey haven't we as a species been living and existing around this food for so long joey in one podcast was like isn't bread in the bible i mean didn't jesus eat bread like i'm so confused okay i i will i love that because i use that too (laughs) um the old, there are a couple of foods i feel like you can Mm -hmm. blame and it's only because we've Mm -hmm, changed it mm -hmm. so much Bread yeah. being one of them. Like, our bread is not the bread Jesus mm-hmm. broke bread with. I would love that bread <laughs> that he has. That's not the bread we have. Um, and same with dairy. We've homogenized and damaged it by high heat that's killing all these enzymes that are naturally found yeah. in raw dairy to help us, you know, digest mm-hmm. it better. So I can see where sometimes it is the food because it's just the way what we've done to it. But... Um, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, sometimes you do have to avoid some foods, but that doesn't mean forever. Once your gut's in a better place, I absolutely see people be able to bring mm-hmm. stuff back in. Yeah. And that's where I go back to our like lens of real food, right? Because because I agree, like people will be out at a restaurant and they might they might not want to partake in the dairy that the restaurant has to serve you because there's no chance it's full fat, raw, beautiful sourced dairy. Like it's just not. Yeah. It can't be. So I understand that piece and like and, and also some of the Franken foods that we have grown to just consume. I mean, you and me are both 90s babies. So is Joey. We grew up eating that stuff. Our parents yeah. grew up, you know, a generation before, but in a similar path. And so, yeah, I agree to that. But when it's whole foods, like whole foods in their natural form and people are still like, oh, I'm just not sure. That's where I'm like, OK, at some point we have to also say like the body, like like exactly what you're saying how can we get to the root cause of that and what you're also saying is that it's not a um three-step program where everyone walks through and it's the same situation everyone's so individual um obviously you hire a team of dietitians so you believe in a food first um philosophy curious how um like is it because of where you live in the state of Texas where that's just the best model for you? Do you have you ever thought about bringing other people into your team or like what is your team structure like when you have people working individually on food and um, any other like 
health situation that they're trying to overcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love um, the dietitians and I love when they are not maybe not right out of college, even though I actually want them. No, I can't say favorites. No, I love them all <laughs> so much. I love our team. Actually, I can't even pick a favorite if I wanted to. But I love the ones that come out of school just like one mm-hmm. on fire and two, they already have like a yearning for understanding functional medicine because again it's not really taught in their degree program so they have to already have a passion and love Mm -hmm. for it um where they've read lots of books and done their own research um and man those are just the best because they are the ones that are up late opening textbooks and studying for a client um that might you know might be a little weirder than our yeah. typical result and so they're there like no I want to understand this mm-hmm. for this person so I just love that drive and so while it is all of us um, you know our goal is to have locations all around the U.S. but we do work virtually so we still see a lot of people um, in different states or dietitians aren't just licensed oh, here great. in Texas so um, which which is great so we're still able to reach everyone but ideally I definitely want a dietitian in every major city um, just be even though we're still virtual because no one wants to mm-hmm. drive anywhere. Um, we were virtual even yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think outside of that we'll do a lot of hiring because we do just want to focus on like food first. So dietitians are always like our main um, professional, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, I mean, we have a huge team in the in the background too, but forward facing. Yeah, our girls are. It feels like you're building a little army to like help serve. I I assume you see mostly women, and I like that's why Joey's pretty quiet in this whole conversation because you and I are chatting. I'm soaking it in though. I'm soaking it in. (laughs) But uh, and I'll actually. We, we mostly do see women, but we do have a couple okay. of men. And I will say the men tend to be like some of our favorite clients. I don't like I picking favorites, that. but I don't know if it's maybe because the men that actually They're come to see dedicated. us are like, dude, like no complaints. We're just getting yes. it done. They're not on the monthly roller coaster. <laughs> so, you know they're they're not going through the motions. They're just so mm-hmm. solid. And I'm like, wait, why don't we target mm-hmm. more? I'm just gonna, so, uh, <laughs> um, I, I just need to speak to that for a second because even you hearing mm-hmm. you say that, I'm like so locked in to this conversation. It's crazy. And <clears throat> I'm like thinking about it even for myself, like, man, I, the competitive side of me is wondering like, like could I improve my health? And <laughs> he who wants I to am? optimize his performance. <laughs> I, 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 as I'm a just human. saying, like, you know, yeah. I'm sure there's other guys Build out there, out maybe like a man many package. of whom you've worked with, that like part of me is like, man performance wise you know if, if I want to train for a marathon or if I want to um, you know see myself progress in the weight room that kind of stuff I'm like thinking you know yeah. wh- what things should I know what things should I be considering and it almost sounds like a weird like weird questions but I'm guessing these are some of the stuff that you get into with your male clients I'm guessing yeah Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like a lot of males that reach out to us definitely have like GI Mm -hmm. issues. Um, They're like bloated or they're just having chronic diarrhea or something like that. And they're like, oh my gosh, what the heck is this? But we definitely get also into like, I'm having low libido, like what's going on? And then of course, yes, the how can I improve my performance? Um, Which again, it's always awesome because there's always something you can improve. Um, And even if like you aren't having gut symptoms, like Honestly, you want to improve your performance, well, you got to make sure you have enough nutrients. So you got to make sure your gut is still breaking down food and absorbing food okay and all that. So yeah, there's always different avenues that you can take, whether it's performance or you do have like an actual disease or Mm -hmm. a symptom. So 
that's awesome. So <laughs> that competitiveness. Yeah, he, this is like his game, right? He's always like trying to search in life where he can increase his. He's a very competitive man, which is why we work well together because I'm not competitive at all. I'm very like chill and like, oh, that's that's great for you. Anyways. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah, so happy. So I'm curious. Someone listening to this conversation might say, okay, I'm feeling like I want to get to the bottom of some of my symptoms and might look in, and we don't have like a yellow pages anymore. We don't have like phone books, but like they might go on Google, right? And find a local dietitian. How is your system different from what they might experience? Or maybe it's not, maybe it's very similar, but I want you to speak to sort of the Lahana special of like what you're curating here with your army at um, Nuvitru and how that might be different from what someone might experience just calling up a local dietitian and saying, hey, I want to get to the bottom of this. Is that advice looking the same? Are they running the same diagnostic tests? Is your approach a little bit different outside the box? Um, fill us in on that. I think if you look for a functional medicine dietitian, I'm sure that there's a lot of similarities. And at that point, I think it's a lot of um, personalities, I think, that can grab people. Um, because I definitely meet colleagues that are super quiet, some that are super mm-hmm. brash. And it's like, I would be scared mm-hmm. to work with you. Um, but some people love that. That that attracts some people. So I think personality is really what gets a lot of people, as well as just certain similarities. Just honestly, in life, I know a lot of people that are Christian love us because we bring God, mm-hmm. you know, into the aspect. And that might turn some people off and that's okay. Um, so in functional medicine, if you found a dietitian, I would say kind okay. of similar. Um, not every me- functional medicine dietitian is going to run the exact same labs. Like I know um, a lot of people run a lab called GI Map for stool testing. Um, we used to run that a lot, but I found um, the one that we do, the gut zoomer, and it has so many more markers. So maybe there's a little bit of difference in labs that are ran. Um, but if you are just calling any old like classic dietitian, not functional medicine, yeah, you'll see a huge difference. Um, most of the time they are covered by insurance, but they are very similar in insurance, like how they work. You know, you might be seeing them just booking as you need 30 minutes mm-hmm. here or there. They are not going to be giving this like, I don't want to say not real food, but they are going to be stuck in the low fat and calories and really focused on traditional yeah. dietetics versus the functional medicine, holistic, whole body um, that we do. And we work a little different outside of insurance um, because we don't take insurance, but we like do packages. So we work with you two, four, and six month. Um, some of the packages have labs, some don't, but we are meeting on a regular basis. Usually if you have an issue, we're meeting mm-hmm. once a week for the mm-hmm. first month and then every other week. But you also have us in an app on your phone, so you can text mm-hmm. us anytime. That's unlimited. We're watching your journal, food, exercise, symptoms, stress, sleep, just journaling in general. Um, whatever it is it's like a little social media so we can like it we can comment on it we're like with you we're like your little nutrition bestie in your pocket um versus your typical dietitian is literally just oh 30 minutes let's talk okay i'll see you next week or in two weeks um so it's just a different type of mm-hmm. care um so that's the biggest difference you'll definitely see in the conventional slash 
functional medicine. So that's what they would have to type in, right? Is functional medicine dietitian or like real food dietitian, uh, maybe at a more basic term. I know for me, I might be jaded, but I saw a dietitian for several years when I returned home from eating disorder treatment um, inpatient. And so they, my part of my care team was to see a dietitian, what, like once a month, I think. And uh, she had a diet Mountain Dew at every single appointment. She looked like she weighed about 80 pounds. And um, she was so sweet. I, I really, she was a very kind woman, but she didn't teach me about food. And so that's always my yeah. struggle is like, oh, yeah, I'm going. To, I didn't feel like I gained anything except for maybe like worse body image when I was sitting in those appointments because she was tiny. She drank this diet soda. She'd be like, okay, how many grains are you eating or how many um, servings of carbs, I should say? It wasn't just grains, but um try to get this what's your she'd weigh me every time so like I always dreaded that appointment because it would always start with weight and um it's just oh and that's surprising too after eating well disorders. it was blind. it was a blind weight so I couldn't see oh, it okay. um which but it's just like yeah because it's just a part of your treatment plan it's very frustrating when yeah you're like I just go home and weigh myself I'm gonna know what I weigh anyways but um like I said she was very kind and very um personable but the the food education piece with her wasn't there and she didn't differentiate between real food and maybe highly processed packaged food I had no idea how like there were days where I would just eat a bagel in the morning and then I'd eat some toast at lunch and then I'd like starve myself for dinner and then like chug an insure and I'm like why do I feel like I'm shaking oh all I've had all day is carbohydrates Mm -hmm. like but I'm on a restrictive diet because I'm in this disordered eating rhythm and I still had no concept for what in the world I was putting in my body granted I was like 17 years old but still formative years of oh my goodness like all of my bodily systems right so I think it's important to say hey when you're reaching out to a dietitian there are some parameters around who you want to invite to speak into your life because sometimes they might align with a different approach that maybe you don't want to partake in and my parents had no idea like they weren't interviewing her to say like teach my daughter about food yeah so I think too like yeah every dietitian so different and I know this might ruffle some feathers like I hate diet culture 100% but to be honest I also hate Mm. anti-diet culture yeah (laughs) I know that'll ruffle some feathers I'm sorry because I want to hear kind of your feelings about that I'm I just think that your health is in seasons. And so to say that every food is good for your body, I understand what that does for eating disorders, right? You're you're trying to repair a broken relationship with food, but you can't sit here and tell me to have them eat because all food is good, a certain cake that has a lot of gluten, a lot of conventional dairy, you name it. And they're having, having diarrhea like every night because all food is good but they're in a season of healing so i view health in seasons so like they might be a season of healing where they have to be a little bit more restrictive they have to really focus on nourishing foods not saying that cake is bad i mean i literally eat dominoes like maybe twice a year and um, everyone always looks at me weird but i'm like we're at a birthday party like (laughs) it's it's, it's whatever like you know um i was like i'm healthy in most regards right i'm in a healthy season of life so i can you know push it have things I normally don't have. But if I'm struggling with something, no, I won't be doing that. I will be saying no to that food because I need to heal my gut or I need I need to do whatever it is that you're working on. And so I just think that anti-diet has gone on the other yeah. spectrum of things because now they're like, no, all food is good. And I'm like, I, I understand what you're saying, 
but I also you you can't you can't say that it's for like, everyone, if, especially if they're struggling oh, with something. Especially, I'm so glad you said this point because this is something that I've talked about on previous episodes. But it it always drives me nuts that the goal for us in eating disorder eating disorder treatment facility was just finish your plate or hey go eat your fear foods, which are typically like the highly processed like cookie box of cookies because that's just what we used to binge on. So it'd be like hey approach your fear food and eat it and and like go out to the Mexican restaurant order the chimichurri even though it's deep fried and covered in fake queso eat it like it's good for you and that message wasn't a, was, i'm not even joking i would oh yeah it's, it's, what they what, do. It, was, it was my experience and i went to a top clinic yeah. in the u.s my parents flew me all the way down to arizona to go to ramuna ranch and like that experience was lacking in the food education piece because they were giving me this anti-diet culture whereas the real healing of because Right, eating disorders aren't just about food and everyone knows that. Yes, there's an element of like emotional, Mm -hmm. maybe some trauma healing that needs to happen, but there's also like, no, my gut is jacked because I've had terrible eating cycles for seven years or five years or six months, whatever. It doesn't take long to mess those systems up. But then you take that girl who is already having trouble figuring out what to eat and then you just say, hey, eat everything on your plate or eat every category of food and don't don't concern yourself with healing or regulating your symptoms. This is just an emotional thing you need to get past. And then I return home and I'm like, I don't know what to eat. I don't know how to... I actually think the the true and the reason why I feel so solid in my healing today, even though I'd battled with bulimia for years is because I have an element where I can be self-disciplined in my food. Like I can understand what real food is and what real food isn't versus being like self-restrictive. So I feel like self-restrictive is, hey, I'm scared to eat that food because it will lead to a body that I don't want. Or I'm scared to consume this because I think that... um, I, it might may, I won't be able to stop eating it because I, I won't be able to control myself versus self-discipline means hey I don't consider that even real food anymore I don't want to partake in that um, right now I am in a season of healing and so maybe I say no to that and that's not disordered eating no. even though no. there's an element of hey I'm not eating everything under the sun but it's so nuanced and that conversation unfortunately doesn't happen very often and so all of us like ex-eating disorder treatment like veterans are like man we're so confused veterans and it's true like i i have yeah i have friends that i talked to that have been through that with me and there was a massive lack of education around that and so i like that the anti-diet culture yes it's um it's kind of like the if it fits your macros vibe right like if you can fit it mm-hmm. into your overall carb intake then it's fine without talking about what is real food in the first place would this carbohydrate Mm -hmm. existed in this form 200 years ago or was it manufactured in a facility that pays a marketing team to sell it to you like two different things yeah 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 and i mean it's i no one's asking for perfection either like i said you'll definitely see me eat things that are not ideal but like i'm in a healthy state freedom piece right right but what I'm bringing into my home, 99% of the time, where we eat, all good. It's all good. So I'm not in a healing season. So when you're in a healing season, yeah, there has to be a little mm-hmm. bit of restriction. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean forever. So yeah, I the big spectrum, whether it's um, vegan, carnivore, to diet, anti-diet, we almost always yeah. are somewhere in the middle. I don't like either side of the severe yeah. spectrums. It very rarely is anyone's answer. And it very rarely serves more than like people like there are some people who thrive on a vegan diet yeah. there are some people who thrive on a carnivore diet carnivorous um 
I don't know for how long and, you know, for what stage of life they're in even. Like, that's an, an intricacy there, too. So uh, I think for me, it really yeah. comes down to understanding what benefits you mm-hmm. and how you can. You were just talking about this, right? Your, your car needs an oil change. You need some maintenance. You need to you take your car into a shop to get it worked on or, you know, you learn how to work on your car. <laughs> Right. And you know how to do all those things. You change your own oil and you spend the time and you put the effort in to take care of your car. And it's we have a conversation we like to bring up all the time, which is the time versus money, um, you know, matrix where it's, hey, I want to take care of my health. Okay, you either have to invest time or money into that. You want to take care of your health. Yeah. That's how you do it. Or I want to take care of my car. Guess what? You either invest time or money Mm -hmm. to take care of your car. And I'll do the money I, part for cars. I do the money part for cars. <laughs> I, I just, I don't have the patience and or thing. I don't want the anxiety of like driving down the road and like I hear a clinking noise. I don't want that to be my responsibility. But at one point in time, you did used to drive my little car up on those There was once a point in time where. And change what, the oil. But, but, that, but you, you see, but like that's a scenario where it was like, I don't want that responsibility. But there was a point in time where we could not yeah. afford to the fifty dollar Valvoline, it was. Yeah. It. it was. You know what? If I'm gonna yeah. take care of this vehicle, it's up to me. And the only asset that I have that can take care of this vehicle right now is my time. Mm-hmm. And so we always tell people, like, you know, you can get educated, you can get, you can learn, you can, you can reach out, you can, you can start following people like Lahana. You can, you can listen to this podcast. You can. You know, there's, there's things you can do that uh, that can educate you. That, that so, and I love that, right? Diets, diet culture. And people often, whenever I'm eating lunch at my office or I go out to eat with somebody, they're like, oh, Joey, is this, is this on your diet? And it makes me cringe because I'm like, I'm like, just because I care about what I eat and I care about yeah. my health and I'm working on it doesn't mean that I'm like, am I on a diet? Like sometimes I'm like, like it's people say it to me so often. I'm like, am I? I'm like, well, I guess you can call anything a diet. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I will eat the Domino's once every two, whatever. I, yeah. I had a burger the other day. I didn't feel spectacular afterwards, to be completely honest, but the burger was delicious. And well, I it wasn't it. homemade. Let's specify that. It was it not was a homemade burger. Eat. I went out to eat with some friends. Yeah. They you know, bought me some lunch, and I ate this burger. And I wasn't going to say, you know what, guys? Thanks for offering for eat, you know, buy me lunch. But I'm not going to eat here. This is below my standards. Yeah. Because I'm not a maniac <laughs> that would do that. Yeah, we're human. And, and, but we're it's, human. It's, I, I got home from having that meal and I thought to myself, you know what? Like there's some things I should probably eat to kind of balance my day off a little bit because mm-hmm. that certainly wasn't the, yeah. the hyper nutritious meal that I should be you know, relying on to sustain me throughout the rest of my day mm-hmm. or the rest of my week. And that's kind of like some of that education piece. But then there's also right for some folks in the world, there's that, that, that money piece where, you know, I can, I can find the, I can, I can have uh, uh, primal pastures, right? I can be buying their food. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Paul on. Who's, he, he himself was saying it was weird to make you know food so expensive, but we're adhering to all these really, really high standards. Yeah, he was like, I feel like I can only make food for like the really wealthy, and I want food to reach beyond that. And that's when he got into you know pasture you know, bird. Pasture, but anyways, but there's 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 there are options for people that that want to take their car to the auto shop. And um, anyways, it's it's not a it's less of a diet and more of it's more of like awareness is, mm-hmm. is kind of what I would what I would call it. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. I just you you struck a chord with me when you were saying that, and I was like, oh, I love it's it. So f- it's so common 
that we can have these conversations and people are like, well, you know, the, you know, the homegrown diet or the, you know, the gaps diet or the, what it's like, it's more or less just like awareness. And then you may restrict some things so that you can achieve something, right? It's all goal oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and seasonal, like you said, Lahana, like, yeah, you're absolutely, yeah. GAPS is not a long-term diet. You should definitely not follow it for more than the six months. Even two years to me, the recommended amount is like long. I mean, it's almost like a GAPS treatment, right? Right. It's almost like a healing protocol. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're talking about too. It's like, hey, there's going to be some seasons where we're going to be in that. And I've experienced that. I, I've done that before. So um, yeah, I love that. I would love to, since we've kind of like talked about how these things interconnect and um, you've said so many words that I will have to go research later. Um, <laughs> I would love to hear like the practical side of like, okay, you're someone who is running this business. You have kids, your wife, you have a busy life in Texas. Like what is your day-to-day wellness and food routine? And what does that look like for you? How are you nourishing yourself on a daily basis? You did mention before we hit record, it might be a little on the bougie side, but you know what? We're here for it because mm-hmm. if this is where a <laughs> Again, you're choosing to spend your money girl get after it so share with us your routine as much or as little as you want to share um, but I'm interested specifically like how you're making sure you're nourished every day and then like what your wellness even like physical activity might look like and um, like give us a day in the life of Lahana yeah oh my gosh yeah it's so good <laughs> you guys so please please note that like I've grown this over mm-hmm. years so it seems like a lot but I just added one thing mm. at a time and then now it's like I'm at no I'm sure there's probably <laughs> other things I could add in there that I probably will add in there but I love my routines which is actually I know I hate travel I know people always like what are you kidding me I love my day-to-day life I've created a life that I feel like I don't oh, have I to escape that. and um I love routines so um I wake up and usually right now with kids in school I just kind of wake up and get them ready pack their lunches get them out the door and then usually when they're out the door I'll start making a breakfast which ideally like this morning eggs are usually my go-to in the morning with leftover veggies so in this in this case this morning I had leftover like roasted sweet potatoes and roasted um curry flavored cauliflower I know some people kind of get geeked out about veggies in the morning but you kind of have to work your way up to it and breakfast is seriously just another meal of the day I think I can have a chicken breast in the morning again geek some people out but you just kind of got to work up to it And so matcha, I'm not too much of a coffee drinker, so matcha is definitely my numero uno. I do some toasted marshmallow nut pods in it with some maple syrup, and it's just so good. So um, that's my, like, drink of choice. And I'll usually eat, and I'm, like, I love adding things all together like Mm -hmm. multitasking so I'll usually go and eat I'll bring out my red light so I'll do red light Mm -hmm. therapy when I'm eating um, as well as starting to either plan my day in my planner or I am doing a bible study and just getting the word Mm -hmm. getting my mind right Mm -hmm. first Um, I'll also add like a little short meditation after eating um, journaling as well I've been getting into that Um, again getting my mind right Um, journaling will be just the things that is on my mind as well as honestly I'm just typing Mm -hmm. out my prayer too like as I'm saying it Um, and then actually I forgot when I'm packing my kids lunches I'll usually be listening Mm -hmm. to an audible book Mm -hmm. when I'm doing it so I'm listening to like comparisonitis Mm -hmm. actually right now wait okay so what time in the morning are you waking up give us a time frame um oh, okay. six o'clock Early. okay yeah yeah um so six um because my daughter's school starts at 
seven thirty is tardy bell, so she needs to be out the door okay. at like seven fifteen. Um, so yeah, and so after just kind of being in the word, ate my breakfast. I am a like mid morning mm-hmm. workout person, so I do strength training. You'll never catch me running. <laughs> if you are, I'm probably getting chased. So oh, please oh, come oh, help oh, me. I hate running. I hate cardio. I'll walk. I love walking. So sometimes it'll be like a walk outside. But strength training is my friend. Um, mm. Gains for life. What's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite? Like, and strength training routine. Like what are you hitting on a normal day? Or are you are you cycling through? Like, leg, leg day, day okay. is my favorite day. Um, never skip leg day. If I showed a before picture, I was. St- mm-hmm. I had just no curves. Like I was literally, a st- I've always been mm-hmm. so tiny my whole life. So now to like have a butt is pretty mind blowing to be it's honest. It's what women should have, truthfully. I, th- I think I learned recently, like if you have a flat pancake, but like it can actually oh. be a sign that your pelvic floor like seriously needs some therapy. And I was like, how would you ever connect those that. two if you didn't know that? Anyways, yeah, girls are supposed to have booties. I yeah, would believe that. Sure. So, yeah, I know. Actually, some people that I've grown up with, they thought <gasps> I had surgery. That good. Um, Look at yeah. Those OK. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, girl, I did so not have you, surgery. All are strength training. So are you doing deadlifts? Are you doing? Um... Yeah. Hip thrusts, squats, deadlifts, lunges. Honestly, nothing mm-hmm. special. Right. It's just consistent growth yep. over time. Um, we have the tonal best investment. What is that? In my life. <laughs> That is, um, do you know the mirror where it's like, okay, it's that, but for strength training. So it's basically this thing you put on your wall um, and it has attachments, handles, the bar, Mm -hmm. um, a rope, and it's basically digital weight. Um, It's incredible. Um, Go look at it and you'll probably want one. It was, I don't even know how, maybe Mm 5,000 after all said and done. I think it might be three, but after all said and done with like the membership and all that, it ends up being like like five grand. But I, it's like a Peloton, but for weightlifting. Yes, yes, yes. I have heard of this. Okay. Yes. I was, I kept an eye on that thing for years until COVID hit. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull the trigger. F it. Like I, I need this. I don't know when the gyms (laughs) are going to be back open. I cannot, I cannot not strength train. So that's my that's what I do. And I just do honestly a la carte. They have classes, but I'm a rebel. I don't like classes. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me what to do. I want to just do my own thing. I want to listen to my body of like, can I go hard or should I just do normal weight? Like, how am I feeling? Did I get good sleep? Just yeah. being more intuitive with my workouts. Um, so then after working out, I'll usually start work. That day is variety. If I'm sitting down a lot, I do have like an under the treadmill walking desk if I just need to get mm-hmm. up and move my body um, while I work. And then for lunch, it's usually something leftovers. Um, definitely prioritizing protein, um, veggies again. Um, I usually will have like a protein smoothie as well after a strength training. So I'll do like a mix of like collagen, Sometimes I'll do whey. Sometimes I'll do pee. I honestly mm-hmm. just switch it up. You mean whey protein, um, pee protein? But I'll... Just for anyone who like heard that. Yeah. Like, Wait, did she just say pee? Yeah. Pee protein or whey protein? Mm-hmm. Oh, pee. Like oh. powdered. Actually, I did run into mm-hmm. a... Yes. I did run into a guy on Instagram that oh, actually does drink his own pee. Goodness. Do not, do not recommend, recommend. But but that was not quite interesting. Okay. So what, what's your base <laughs> no. for this shake? Are you, you Do you guys utilize raw dairy? I don't know your accessibility to it in Texas, but are you doing coconut milk? Like, what are you doing as your base um, there? Um, I am still doing almond milk or coconut milk. Um, we do our own. Oh, I yeah, use yeah. the almond cacao, which is mm-hmm. also a favorite purchase. 
Um, I do do dairy, but mostly in like raw cheese or uh, cream cheese sometimes. But I yeah. don't really do mm-hmm. milk and- milk. Not anymore. We we mm-hmm. did when my daughter was and little. And if you're a gonna lot. do like a plant based milk, the almond cow is a fantastic option. Like I'm not a no one should drink. Uh, I still call it like almond tea, but like if you home make it, it's a different product than what you find at the store. Yeah. So yeah, okay, I love that. So you're using homemade um, yeah. almond milk or coconut milk. You're throwing in your whey protein or your pea protein and your collagen peptides or whatever. Making some protein shake after you work out, and then you have your lunch, which you said veggie protein type of deal. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I usually throw in, like, veggies, mm-hmm. banana, all that. Like, I'll try to make the smoothie just as balanced, pro- uh, okay. protein, fats, and carbs. And then um, dinners, pretty much the same thing. Usually, I surround my my all my yeah. meals with, like, a protein, mm-hmm. and then I just add to it. Um, so it just depends on, like, are we having salmon or chicken or, like, beef or my – my husband and son hunt Mm. so like venison like what what are we having um and then i'll just add veggies to that sometimes i'll mix up the starches from sweet potatoes to brown sprouted brown rice to sometimes legumes that are soaked overnight Mm -hmm. just kind of depends um but pretty veggie Mm -hmm. heavy naturally and then um my nighttime routine yes i'll finish up like working spend time with the kids once the kid goes down though i will usually start doing we have a sauna (laughs) So I sauna for 30 yes, minutes. Yeah. If I'm if I'm in school, I am mm-hmm. working on homework. Um, if I'm not in school, I'm usually just mm-hmm. reading like a fun book, mm-hmm. like a romance book. <laughs> and then um, I will also be, while I'm in the sauna, do a okay. castor oil pack. And that's where so you that. put, that's where you put um, castor oil, like, you, like it's soaked in a towel, right? And you place it over your liver strategically? Yeah. Or is that where you're putting yours? Okay. Yeah, liver, abdomen, abdomen. Um, it's pretty big, so it covers like okay. gut and, and liver to help pretty much. The system. Okay. Yes, it helps okay. support the liver, helps support detox. Um, can also help get things going too mm. if you're constipated. I personally haven't felt that too mm. much, to be honest. Um, but I know some people have. Um, I also will dry brush, I guess, before I get in the sauna too, which will help stimulate my lymphatic system. So I'm really working and prioritizing Mm -hmm. detox. And then when I get out of the sauna, before I go in the shower, I will usually do like a dental routine. I love Risewell or Boca um, for toothpaste and floss, brush, and then I'll actually start Mm -hmm. coconut oil pulling. And then go into the shower while I'm coconut oil pulling. Oh, yeah. You no, see, I'm like stacking t- it. It's very basically add things. Yeah. I'm gonna steal your nighttime routine. <laughs> I don't have a sauna, but I'm gonna do everything else I can. <laughs> and then get out of the shower. Obviously, toss the coconut in the oil. Trash, right? Um, and then the yes, <laughs> in the trash. And um, then I'm doing like just toner and cleanser. Or I already cleanse in the shower, but cream um, for my face. And then now I'm doing gusha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the gusha rock um and i'm usually at this point like sitting in bed or whatnot like reading or watching something i'm just kind of doing it while i'm like watching a show or whatever um i do have my blue blockers on once sun, sun what's your what's sun goes the down. uh brand that you're currently working with for blue blockers blue blockers i love swanwick but actually I, it's just oh, in my prescription okay, cool. through zenny so that's just the main one but okay, swanwick cool. is a really great brand too i like um and then I sometimes, not always, will do the sleep induction mm. mat. Um, and that's usually like right before I go to bed. It's just like a mat and it has yep. all these spikes on it. And it helps stimulate that um, 
parasympathetic nervous system that just like gets you into rest. And I'll like stand on it or I'll lay on it in my back without any shirt um, because it just, man, literally the moment you like sit up, it is just this relaxing feeling. This you is just the really imagine. spiky, like they look like flowers, and it's like mm-hmm. an acupressure type deal. Yes. Right? Yeah, I've had I've had a particular mm-hmm. company reach out to me several times, like, "Can we send you a mat?" And I'm like, "I would love that, but I don't know how to put that on my content calendar, so I don't want to accept a free gift I can't like talk oh. about." But um, I do know it. my friend. So you so can Kelsey uses hers. You've it. seen you've seen Joey. We've had him in the house before. We love those mats have okay I? yes it's the thing kelsey would lay on it was like really spiky it actually is kind of never saw it a little bit painful yes you did she did it on the front porch one time anyways she like had a towel she had like a blanket <laughs> over her but um i'm was, telling you right now i've never seen this mat but i'm very interested uh, you've seen it and you've poked on the, the did i yeah it's like a plastic spike that sticks <laughs> up out of like a yeah all over it you probably did. Seen it it yeah. sounds like something I would remember. Um, doesn't remember. Anyways, okay, so you're on the you're on the spiky mat. Then what? And that's about. I mean, that's about it. I'm. It's usually bedtime. Um, again, I like either. I love shows because it gets me out of work mode. It gets me into like this world mm-hmm. that's not my world. So I am definitely the person that watches TV um, before bed. I know some people say don't, which I understand why. So that's why I have blue mm-hmm. blockers on and stuff. But it's either that or reading a book. And then I go to bed mm. and it starts all okay, over. Okay, that wasn't as bougie as I thought it was going to be. Maybe oh my gosh, good. took it to the next level. Or like the really expensive weight situation was probably more so than like the average show but it sounds like you've worked your way up through all of those things i also love like you have specific like you wake up you get your kids out the door you eat but as you're eating you're like what a funny photo that would be of like you're eating your breakfast and you have like giant red light beaming over you i don't know if you know this but red light therapy is literally like a red light bulb emitting red light into Mm. your skin cells and it's just you glow red like it's like this little thing that's like a wire cage it's the weirdest thing um we don't have one but um like when people use it they just like bright red so she's just like hannah's like eating her breakfast glowing red doing your devotional but then like right when you get into the sauna you have that's like your detox period where you're using the castor oil packs you're opening up the lymphatic system with the dry brushing which looks like a like a horse mane brush. It's like, oh, my kids are like, is this for mm-hmm. a horse? I'm like, no, you brush it up your legs and down your arms and whatever um, in the direction yes. of the heart, I believe. And so you have all these things. Mm-hmm. Like, some, like a dry brush is like 30 bucks if you get a really expensive one. So some of those are cheaper, much more doable. Um, oh, and yeah. like you might have access to a sauna at your gym and like you can go do that. Or maybe you can take an Epsom salt bath or maybe you can stimulate detox in another way. The point is you're working on nourishment, detoxification, keeping your body strong um, and honestly just like feeling great. And you're like mentally I want to watch a show before bed and that's fine. And I have my blue light blockers on. How many times do I sit in front of the TV with my a lot of orange times. glasses? I'm fasted. I want to know what kind of shows are we watching? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, right now I'm going through a Hallmark phase, (laughs) but I don't do that all the time because then I can, but because then I can like eventually be like, okay, you're going to, something's going to happen to you. You guys are going to get married. And like, I know. So like there's phases off and on, but I will say mostly, I know I'm still a teeny bopper deep down inside. Um, I, my husband thinks I'm crazy because I love rewatching shows. I will watch One Tree Hill over and over again. I'll watch Gilmore Girls over and over again. Like I'm, I'm still a teeny bopper inside. Um, but I also like some action things. Like I remember I loved Arrow when Arrow was out. So right now I love The Resident, which is about, it's um 
I actually started watching it because the main character mm. was in Gilmore Girls. Um, that's a really good one if you like medical shows. Um, which which main character gosh, on, on Gilmore Girls? Oh. Logan. Right? Yeah, the blondie that, yes. that Rory dates near the end. The college guy. The rich college guy. Oh, I watched yes. Gilmore Girls. Joey's like, well, mm-hmm. how do you know that? I was like, I grew up on the oh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I love good. That's oh, yeah, my favorite good. show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it just depends. So mostly that like... Um, I don't know if you've seen Sweet Magnolias either on Netflix. I think that's mm. just the cutest show ever. Um, so shows that are like happy, some drama, but just happy. I can't get down with too much like action and like drugs <laughs> and all these negative things. They just don't fill me up. <laughs> My husband will, but I'm like, yeah. this is I mean, depressing. we're like, we're watching like Master Chef. We're watching like uh, reality TV sometimes. Oh we watch a lot of Everybody Loves Raymond. We've rewatched Lost like four times. Oh like gosh. I know everything that happens in lost most underrated show well that's not true it was no, like it was hype when lost when i was growing up and lost happened it was like it was a big deal blowing my mind did you ever watch it i never watched it when it first came out i actually oh didn't and then it really had a sad way of going down but like the writers yeah um we love um yeah, I mean, did you ever watch the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Were you, I mean, you were a 90s kid. They oh, yes. created a new version yes. of that in 2015 that we just now discovered. So we've been watching that. So that's what I say when I mean like reality TV. I guess it's not reality TV, but it's like talk show type. Uh, have you seen, Um, I know that, I think it's How You Met yes. How I Met Your Mother, but they made remade it I to How I Met Your that. Father. And who's the main actress in that? That's, that's um, a cute one. Yes, Hillary Duff. Right. I we need I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah, was a good like, one. Pre- it's pretty new. Yeah, it's it's cute. Anyways, yeah, we're a big TV fan um, over here, so we can we can chat TV for a long time. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, Outlander too. That's no. like not a kid one, and I didn't think I would like it actually, just because it was like, oh, I don't like things that are mm. dated really back far back in like the 1800s. But everyone kept saying like, you have to watch it. You have to. I'm like, fine. And then I watched. It. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I don't know good. anything about that except for that <laughs> the books are really good apparently. But yeah, I've heard that one's a good one too. Yeah. Okay. So you're. This was your. Yeah. Like I said, I, I didn't think that was too bougie. Um, I feel like everything good. you have yes. has a. A reason and a purpose and that's I think the thing I want to communicate is like hey you are a really um, busy proactive person like even how you said in your sauna if you're in school studying you're about to start a doctoral program um, like you're using your time wisely and you're not just like oh I don't have time to go back to school because I have two kids and I'm the CEO of a company no you're like no I'm getting my stinking doctorate degree I can't wait Um, I have a feeling just by like chatting with you over the last I don't know hour and a half that you are just, you thrive better in situations where you are constantly progressing yourself. And I just see that as a trend in your life, like from having kids young to then like moving through your your degrees in your um, career to like even the stuff you do today. I mean, just sitting down and talking with you, I'm like, goodness, you have a wealth of knowledge. So we always end our like interviews asking what our guest is learning today in their life. And that can be like in your, you know, career or in your family or whatever but however you want to take that question we'd love to hear like what is Lahana learning today and what are the areas of growth that you are leaning into I definitely would say spiritual Mm. growth for sure um because I running a business and yeah trying to do all the things which is absolutely possible and just being a person that loves control or who thinks <laughs> has control um 
I think just understanding that you just kind of got to give it up and like have faith in certain aspects of your life and you can't control certain things because um, obviously there's all these curveballs and business is up and then it's down and then it's up again. And I honestly am so tired of being on that roller coaster. And we see this too with patients. I mean, even though I don't see a lot of people one on one anymore, um, this I still am really close to like going over labs and working with the girls. So like something that happens is that everyone's thriving, doing amazing, and everyone's like, we're all excited. And I'm not joking. Everyone at the same time will hit a plateau or there's a complaint or something's happening. And man, like we ride those emotional roller coasters because we care about our patients so much. And I know it's not good to like do that. You should be like even keel, but it's hard when this this type of business is super personal. And so we're riding the wave with them. And I just am trying to lean into growing, just having faith that, you know, things are going to work out and it's going to be fine and not being on the roller coaster Mm -hmm. of emotions just all the time. So I think that's why I've really been prioritizing Bible study and journaling and just all these mindset things every morning just to get my mind right and know like, you know take it one day at a time yeah as as someone who because you you made a little comment you're like it is possible right we get mixed messages as moms i was actually just having this conversation with someone else too um like motherhood is fantastic and wonderful and we love our children so much but we also have interests outside of our raising our kids even when they're really young like we and we're able to pursue things even when they're young and um, I love that you are talking about the mental, emotional aspect of that because it's so normal for a dad to have hobbies and a job and all these other things. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he can also come home and be a supportive husband. He could also stay. I know like families who the husband stays home and raises the kids um, throughout the day portion and then the mom goes and works. Whatever model you're working with, um, every single life path is a grind I mean on days where I'm doing zero homegrown work and I'm just with the kids and we're homeschooling we're doing all these things like you could put me in any box you want I still need some mental stability and some spiritual connection so I think that that's really cool that that's kind of your area of growth it sounds like as you continue to step into a season that's probably a little bit busier as you head into school that that's going to be even more important so yeah yeah what are your what are your thoughts the on the learning side, and I can just resonate. You have those ups and downs, and um, I, I am a strong Enneagram Seven with with a uh-huh. a very strong Wing Eight, and so um, I remember when I took you know a, a course on it. The coach told me, "You are either a seven or an eight, <laughs> but I know you, and I'm just going to say that you're a seven. But yeah. don't tell anybody I said that." And I was like, "Okay," and like, um, but anyways. It was well-informed. She, she knew what she was saying. She shouldn't be well-informed. Anyways, um, I very much resonate with what you feel. And in business, it's crazy because you can have, you can have those ups and downs. And, and while the, 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 you have so much control of mm-hmm. what happens and then you don't. Mm-hmm. But you're still in control. So, you're, <laughs> so like while things are happening, and it sounds so crazy, and only somebody that's been in these kind of shoes before yeah. can understand what I'm saying. But maybe maybe I'm explaining it well, and you do understand. I hope that's the case. But the, yeah, I do. the control part inevitably just bleeds into this just responsibility. Mm-hmm. And whether you're in charge of something or you're responsible, you're leading something, an organization, a family, a business, 
stuff is going to be in your control only to the sense of it's your responsibility. And when stuff is going wrong and you can't do anything about it, you're still responsible. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you let down a client or you let down a supplier or a vendor or a, and you have to own that mistake. And I will say for, for me, um, there are things that I've identified that in our life, um, I can, I oftentimes, my personality oftentimes clings to because I do have control of that thing. Like there are some things that I do have control of. And, and an example would be, I can make progress in the gym straight up. Like I can control this that. This is why he's super into fitness. I can, I can, I can make, pro- yeah. if, I, if I want to run yeah. further than I did the day before, not being chased, but just because I happen to enjoy just going out for a run. <laughs> so if I catch you out there, uh, you know, if, I guess Please I won't be running. Yeah, I got your back. Anyways. Please say um, run in the opposite direction and find whatever is following her. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I, I, I can do that. I can have that control. I can have that thing. And it's, it's really important for, for us as people that we all have responsibilities. We all have things that, that, you know, we can be leading or in charge of, or that we're working on and we're learning and, and then stuff kind of goes haywire. And it really became even more evident to me over the pandemic that, that everyone was, was shaken up and, and recognized like, wow, um, you, I can, I, you can make one or two choices in those moments. I can be responsible for something that I'm out of control of, or I can just play the victim and just sit back and, and feel pain and feel sorry for myself. And it's so often that the easier route seems to be, I'm just going to sit down and just let it happen. And um, even in those moments where you don't have control, we, we have to wake up and, and say, you know what, I'm responsible for this. And what is one thing I can do today to kind of to, that, that I believe might move the ball in the other direction? Mm-hmm. And um, it takes it takes some serious rhythm and routine and determination to kind of make that happen. And so I'm super excited about continuing to ask people in the future of what a day in the life looks like, because, man, getting into some daily rhythms, it, no matter what those daily rhythms are, the more consistent they become, the more predictable they are, the more effective you can become and it's just it's huge and it's everything and so uh, love that love to hear that you're learning and growing spiritually and um, I love I love that you've got your you've got your day in life you know we, we kind of sprung this on you today and, and you didn't even like stutter it was like clearly she's got she's got a, <laughs> a daily routine locked in right she so um, loved lo- love to see that hey as, as we're closing out here want to want to um, quickly go over a few just to ensure that we, we, we get them correct. But people can find you. People yes. can find you and, and your organization. And I have that as nuvitrowellness.com. And that is spelled N-U-V-I-T-R-U wellness.com. That's correct, right? Mm-hmm. Nuvitru. And yeah. um, I believe we're, we're, we're pushing people to forward slash homegrown education. Yeah. So there's going to be a landing page where you can actually hop onto that. You can see all their services and you can get a special offer that Lahana is offering, which I believe you said is a hundred dollars off any package. So that's huge. Mm-hmm. A great way to start people off on, Hey, I want to get plugged into finding the route. I'm sick of DIYing. I'm tired of doing this. Or my husband wants to optimize his performance as an athlete. Let's plug him in. Okay. <laughs> 
let's get some more males your way. Because um, yeah, you said they're ideal clients. If they're if they're motivated, yeah. bring them in. They're great. So yeah, you can find um, that is going to, I'll link it in the show notes, but it's also just their, their website, newbietruewellness.com slash forward slash homegrown. And then um, you can find her on, Lahanna on um, Instagram at, at newbietruewellness. Um, Joey's probably going to want to spell that. I actually got a few messages this week saying that they appreciate when you spell out, even though I gave you so much heat for it. Cause I was like, just look at the show notes, but people are listening to these podcasts as they're doing dishes and as they're cooking. And they're like, no, 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 I can't look at the show notes, Liz. I'm like, you know what? I hear you. I see you. Joey's going to spell it out for you one more time. It is new vitro wellness. And that is spelled N U V I T R U wellness. And that's Instagram handle. Then we also got a YouTube channel. We're, we're, we're throwing out videos, right? So we've got youtube.com yeah. forward slash C forward slash mm-hmm. new vitro wellness. Again, spelled out N-U-V-I-T-R-U wellness. So check out that YouTube. Get on there and get some, get some content, right? We've got, we've got time and we've got money. These are the two assets that we have at our disposal to, uh, to make some things happen. So you could spend some time on YouTube. You could go. You could go do that. My guess is, is that you could look up this YouTube channel right now and hear more from La- from Lahana, and that's that's uh, free for you to mm-hmm. do. Absolutely. Um, you could also, if you don't have time, use your money. Uh, you can you can sign on and uh, you know get after that as well. Uh, Lahana, is there anything that you wanted to to before we depart here today? Anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? No, you guys are fantastic hosts, and um, yeah, you you have a podcast voice. So right when you said Nuvitru, I'm like, ooh, I should hire you to make some audios. Well, I need to record. I need to record her yeah, saying that, certain- and I'm gonna. You know, Wait, who are you off. saying has a podcast voice? Me or Joey? Joey, for sure. Mm. Like right when I think it was after you wanted to clarify how to He's spell so the good. Instagram. You just had, you got close to the mic and then it just sounded like mm. very professional, like N-U-V-I-T-R. Well, I am very professional. <laughs> I appreciate you. If anyone well, knows you. the podcast, they know it's everything but professional, no, but that's okay. We're here. We're here for it and uh, we're, we're making things happen. Well, that was spectacular awesome. getting to know you today and having you on the podcast. Thank you. Next time we are in Texas, we'll be hitting you up. Mm-hmm. We'd love to, uh, yeah. Maybe make yes. that. No, we you were just in Austin recently, earlier this year. I was. I was mm-hmm. just. In we Austin. were there in 2022. Yeah, we were. That was fun. That was fun. Um, it has. Oh, we got to do, do it I actually do really like Austin. I think it's a great part of Texas. I do like it a lot too. Um, yeah, I have thoroughly enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So thank you for hopping on here, Lahanna. Me too. Yeah. Have a great Thanks, day. Thanks, guys. You too. And with that, Lahana has left the virtual chat. Mm-hmm. I just want to keep talking. Now I know because now you're all cocky. I've even the that, way your voice, even the way that. your face is right now, you've got like a smile because you're oh, like extra excited. This is she, so good. She complimented your podcast voice. You know what? I think you have a great voice. That's well, why I invited you onto my podcast. And there you have it. <laughs> just kidding. Humbled this was... in a quick, <laughs> quick strike. <laughs> this actual podcast was your idea, so you get all the credit. Anyways, uh, let's recap the. Let me recap first because. I was just listening and absorbing and this this idea of hormonal health is so new to me and I I feel like I'm still so new to it. I'm probably gonna have to jump on the YouTube channel and and continue my education in this realm because it feels like there's just there's just a whole world there. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of the stuff was in line with things I'd heard heard before. Right. This idea of testosterone levels and 
and you know estrogen levels and things that I've heard from other you know podcasts and or scientific studies, etc. Like Andrew Huberman being one of those people that I've heard mention some of these sorts of things. But you know, the the amount that we got into, I mean, people that are listening to this episode, they're gonna need to turn this thing on like half speed. I know we like talk half speed. We talk fast. I normally like listen to audiobooks at like time and a half. This one, you're gonna have to like dial it back, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, I love this idea that there is there is almost like a structure. We're all built very differently, and all these what, what you call them, molecules mm-hmm. that 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 are all kind of built and structured in a way that everyone has like a unique build out of hormones, mm-hmm. right? And almost kind of like when you assess this, it's giving you like the blueprints of a person. Mm -hmm. And you can look at those blueprints and say, hey, you know what? I'm seeing some structural, uh, you know, deficiencies here. Mm -hmm. And then with that, we can create and craft an approach to how we can adjust your build out so that we can alleviate some symptoms that maybe you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that approach is very different than, Hey, when I eat X, I feel bad. Right. Right. And this, this food sensitivity wave, I just, I wonder how much of that is purely related to, you know, gut health, hormonal health and that sort of stuff. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me. So um, I loved that. I think, I think I'm probably going to have to listen to this thing again. Uh, or maybe twice more, um, but uh, yeah, that was awesome. Lahana is super energetic and awesome. We can talk to her for another two hours. I mm-hmm, feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think that at the end of the day, what she's doing is she's serving a community of people who right now have no one else to serve them because they've probably exhausted all of their other mechanisms for healing, and so she's doing it though through such an informed approach and when she's talking about this testing this diagnostic she's not just trying to like run a bunch of labs that are going to give us some vague ideas of what's going on no she's doing she's saying let's look at this stool because at the end of the day what your body is dumping out tells us a lot about organ function tells us about gut microbiome tells us about the digestibility of your um, system and and at the end of the day can you can you break down the foods that you're trying to consume therefore can you benefit from their nourishment and if you can't if the answer is no then you have a really solid starting place because at the end of the day, we ha- I keep saying at the end of the day, we have, to, we have to digest our food and get nourishment from it for our systems to work. And so that's why she hired a team of dietitians to help give people a food first approach to heal these things that otherwise they'd be given a pill for, a treatment. They might get so far down the line and have to have surgery um, to relieve some of these symptoms. But what she's saying is like, hey, we're finding people that have been trying to take the food piece on their own plate for years without having the informed intelligence of what's actually going on in their body. Mm. Because again, the medical system is set up where a lot of these diagnostic testings um, aren't covered by insurance. Mm. And, and I think we're kind of getting more used to that idea, but for, for some folks that's still really big stretch and she's giving them a way to say, Hey, these are your symptoms. This is what their labs are showing. This can inform us into what's the first um, mode of healing that we need to take with Mm -hmm. you. And then how can we make sure that we're not jumping into things too quickly or we're not introducing foods before you're ready. Or we are making sure that you are 
absorbing enough so that healing can take place in your tissues versus having zero energy to Mm. do so because healing is a really active and um, tiring process Mm. if you're trying to restore hormonal imbalance or whatever so that's what I like about her approach. I like that she, um, like I said, is like building this army and she wants to have a dietitian in every major city because she has an approach and a system that's working and that's helping serve that community that otherwise is, is really poorly underserved. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew today was going to be a great conversation because she can give us insight into those things. Big words like hormones and um, gut healing, like I said, can be very trendy in the mm-hmm. wellness space. But at the end of the day, like what does that mean? So I think she gave us a good breakdown of that. And honestly, she continues to be really informative on her Instagram account. So if you're like, hey, I my appetite is wet after this conversation, but like I want to learn more, hop over to her Instagram, um, hop over to her YouTube channel, hop over to the um, homegrown um, webpage where she's, you know, going to offer you $100 off of your um, package if you're like, hey, I actually want to work with her and her team. So mm-hmm. those are all like the three main ways, two of those being free, one being a money investment that like people have options. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's cool. I think she's giving people a path. It's, it's time versus money game. It, it, yeah. it, it always has been. It always will be. We have time. We have money. And these are the things that we can use to advance ourselves forward. And so speaking of ways to advance ourselves forward, um, we can get after finding Lahana on Instagram, just to reiterate, for all those people that love when I do this, which is the majority, undisputed. <laughs> it was two DMs, but I'll, they, I'll let you take that one. Undisputed. Um, at Nuvitra Wellness, that's N-U-V-I-T-R-U Wellness. You find her on Instagram. Same spelling, nuvitrawellness.com forward slash homegrown. That's where you'll find Lahana's website and that particular page will pull you into a section that offers a discount to working with Lahana and her team. You can check her out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash new vitro wellness. Go get after that. She's the bomb. Highly recommend. Love talking to her. Wealth and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, Love that. Time versus money. We've talked about this before on a podcast. What podcast was that that we talked about time versus money? It was called The True Cost of Nourishment. And then I believe time versus money is in the title as well. I don't is know it? which okay. episode it is. Go check out that episode where we go into that a little deeper. We're probably going to keep talking about time versus money forevermore. But uh, man, I think that concept, just it, it's just ringing true. And every time we have another conversation with another one of these kind of industry experts, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's that man, you can, you can spend the time to know as much as Lahana. Mm-hmm. I mean, girl's getting her doctorate degree. You can spend the amount of time that she spent. Years. Decades. That's something that we all have the ability to do. A decade, actually. We all can do that. You can spend a decade learning how to do something. Yeah. Uh, there's also people that have spent a decade to learn how to do something. Yeah. And we're trying to bring those people to you. Um, and then, you know, there's also the ability to utilize your financial capital to invest in your health. Mm-hmm. Lahana has stuff for you. You can find coaching all the way to, you know, products. We have stuff. Homegrown has stuff, Mm -hmm. both free and paid. Mm -hmm. This podcast is one of those things. This podcast is, in case you were wondering, at this point, it's free. And we want to keep it that way. And keeping it free has a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, I lost my thought, but it's free. (laughs) 
get after the podcast. There's a lot of wealth of knowledge. We're interviewing people like Lahana all the time. And, um, you know, that's, that is a way that you can continue investing in your education. Um, additionally, we've got some resources on our website, homegrowneducation.org. You can get on there to, to find coloring books, curriculum for your kids. You can get on there to find free resources, more free stuff. We have a sourdough guide, learning how to get in the game of sourdough bread so you can be, you know, cute on Instagram, but also nourish your family. Mm -hmm. It's like a win-win, mm -hmm. right? Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. We're, 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 I'm on a level today. Um, coloring books for your kids where we're highlighting farms from around the country that are out there bringing regenerative farming practices back to America, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're healing soil and we want to support them, but also, you know, give your kids something awesome to do and familiarize them with these, these farms and kind of where their food comes from. Um, we've also got what's for dinner. Why don't you talk to me about what's for dinner? Yeah. So what's for dinner is basically a six week meal plan where I lay out seven nights of dinner and I give you the full shopping list. I tell you what the whole week is going to look like. It's always a variety of protein. So it's going to be some beef, some seafood, some white meat. Um, not, I shouldn't say beef. It's going to be some red meat, which can be any, mm. any red meat you want. You could do bison. You could do venison. You could do beef. You could do pork. Mm. Um, any of those work. Um, and then, yeah, so I basically do the meal planning for you. I already laid it out. It's all very real food focused. It's just going to have um, really simple ingredients. I give you the shopping list so you know for the full week ahead what you need to go to the grocery store and buy or add to your cart if you're getting your groceries delivered, whatever that looks like for you. And then night, weekly, uh, nightly, <laughs> weekly, nightly cooking instructions so that you know, like, okay, how do I have a steak? How do I prepare it? Mm. And then some cues for the night ahead. So if you have to prepare maybe a sourdough bread before I give you those cues, or if you have to mix up um, some soaked tortillas that have to sit on your counter overnight, just in some water and a little bit of vinegar, I give you the cues to do that. So it's very like flowing from one meal to the next. You're going to take the carcass from your whole chicken, turn that into stock, use it in a meal later in the week. It's really meant to optimize the ingredients, optimize nutrition, honestly, through the foods we're eating. And just give you a reason and a purpose behind your nightly mealtime. Mm. Um, so many of us are in a struggle of getting our families around the table or even if it's just you cooking, your, cooking mm -hmm. for yourself. Like you are worthy to have a home cooked meal mm -hmm. every night. Um, and if that's something that you want to do and partake in there, everything is portioned according to your specific family. So there's a portioning guide in the beginning. So you can say, okay, this is how much I need um, for my meals and this is what I can how this is how I can tailor it to best fit me. We're also working on that same model, but for breakfast. And so I'm hoping that that's going to come out in the fall. It's going to be a what's for breakfast because honestly, breakfast is a tricky one for our mm. household. I usually know what my kids will eat and what I think we might want to make in the house. But I realized like I'm having the same issues because I've, I haven't written it down. And so I took 16 staple ingredients that we always have in the house. Things like sliced meat, which would be like a bacon or a pancetta mm -hmm. or a prosciutto. Um, eggs, butter, flour, right? 16 of those sort of raw ingredients. And as long as you keep those on hand, you can make any breakfast in this book. It's going to set you up for success to take back the family meal time, but this time it's breakfast. Yeah. I found that 
what's for dinner this that that model right this idea of setting somebody up to kind of like knock out mm-hmm. six weeks of meal dinners right and we we push we push dinner because we believe there's something powerful about having a family dinner mm-hmm. right so whether you buy what's for dinner or not that's not really we just want to help you have family dinners cook dinner for your family sit down together eat dinner there's some uh, pretty pretty awesome things that happen beyond just being nourished um, additionally, you know, there's, there's some rhythms that can be created and this is like a supplement to that, right? I want to be in a rhythm of having dinner. Well, boom, get some skin in the game, get what's for dinner. Now, now you're cooking through this meal plan. It gives you a guide of what to do. It kind of takes some of the guesswork out of it. It's even creating shopping lists for you so that you can establish family rhythms that you can then continue on with without the book or with it you're mm-hmm. repeating stuff mm-hmm. whatever right and for us I mean, because we created these things for ourselves I, I feel like you know if we, if we zoom out there was once a day that we were sitting on our front porch and and okay i went to culinary school so i'm, I'm, I'm a trained chef and that comes with pros and cons pro of being a trained chef i know how to cook Boom, easy pro. I can help with meal prep and cooking and coming up with ideas for what we want to eat in our household way more than, you know, I would say that the, the average husband the might be capable of doing mm-hmm. because I know how to cook a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Con, I become a crutch <laughs> in all scenarios. <laughs> Um, it's, you saying I relied on you too much? There was times where you relied on me too much, and that's okay. And we'll, we'll get I'll get to some more explanation of what that looked like. There was a crutch of me being a chef. In, in all sense, I'll go to my parents' house for family meals or um, you know birthdays or holidays or whatever. And as soon as you know I walk into the door, it's oh hey Joey, you know since you're so good with a knife, can can you help us do up these vegetables? <laughs> And it's like, oh, well, gee, sure, Ma, I'd love to help you out, cut up the vegetables. After I get done with the vegetable, vegetables, my dad will come to me with the meat and say, hey, I'm about to grill these steaks. You want to, You mind giving me a hand? I'm like, you want a hand or you want me just to do it? Next thing you know, I've cooked the meal. <laughs> you know, For your own birthday celebration. And, and you know, that's oh, that's fine, right? Like, I, I'm, I still like cooking. I went to culinary school because I enjoy it. But it's a crutch. And the way we saw this the way that I saw this play out, we saw it play out at our home is that there was a, there was a point in time where um, I would get home and Elizabeth would be very busy. (laughs) And it it wasn't that she didn't have capacity to cook food. It was that she has a lot of things on her plate. And sometimes the hardest part of figuring out what to eat for dinner is just the plan of what we're going to eat and getting the groceries in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if you've, if, if you've ever watched a show called Chopped, Chopped is a show where chefs get lined up and they open a basket of random gr- ingredients and they have to make a meal and then they're judged on what they're capable of producing. <laughs> and so I would come home from work and uh, basically what I would hear is, uh, you know, I'd walk in the door at like six six thirty, I'd have 30 minutes is what kind of what it felt like. <laughs> and what I'd be told is, yeah, we've got some you know sweet potatoes there's some you know stuff in the fridge and I just pulled out, just pulled out like some venison steaks. Uh, if you, if you want to figure out dinner and I'd be like, Hmm, okay. 
I guess I'll figure out dinner then. Steaks would definitely not be getting thawed in time. So I'd have to like, you know, get those under some running water really quickly. I'm running to the, I'm running to the sweet potatoes. I think, okay, sweet potatoes, those have like at least a 22 minute cook time. So I'm chopping those up, but like, I mean, you know, if I chop them smaller, I can actually reduce the cook time on those. And like, maybe I wrap them in foil and I'm braising them off in the oven. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now let's, let's look at the, what our veggie options are. Open the fridge. There's like, you know, maybe there's carrots and like onions in there. And I think, okay, maybe, maybe we do some like caramelized carrots and onions, a little balsamic vinegar, throw those in the oven, get those kind of like cooking up. Like it was like, this was dinner for us. And at the end of the day, I'd get like a dinner out and we eat. It was great. And, and it was like, okay, thank you for cooking dinner. You were always very appreciative. It was never like, you know, you were mad at me or anything like that, but it was exhausting for us both. It was stressful for me to get home from work and then have like, a competition cooking show situation on my hands every single night. And so we're sitting on our front porch and I expressed some of my discontent to you, not saying that, Hey, I need you to, to be the, you know, atypical wife that just cooks dinner every night, but that, you know, we need to come up with some meal plans of like what's happening. I want us to know so that, you know, so that you can be prepared so that you're not stressed and I can pick up where you left off if you ever need my help, but that we, we need to have a plan. And, Man, we spent some time every Sunday. We, we got into a rhythm of planning out like the next week. And mm-hmm. then that's, that's, even that started to become challenging. But then it was like, hey, we've planned out these weeks of meals that we're used to cooking. Let's just compile them into a, into a book of just meals. Next thing you know, it was like, I bet you other people have this challenge. Probably not just us. Other people are probably asking the question, what's for dinner? Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, using that, we, we, we came up with the really well-crafted, just custom name of... It was Joey's idea. What's for dinner. What's for dinner. I don't know. Some brilliant genius came up with that and just, you know, savage. Love, love, love to see it. Your confidence so, has really increased over this podcast, I am noticing. You know? Um, yeah, I think you just summarized. You gave the full backstory on that, and it's true, and it's it was a real pain point. still is a real pain point. We still go through seasons. We've cooked through all the meals before, and yet we put it away. It sits in our kitchen, and there's sometimes where I'm like, you know what? I just got to do a whole other one. We also, the beauty of what's for dinner is that we are so used to being in this system and this model like people always ask me like hey will you come up with six more weeks like we loved every single meal we love all 42 like will you create 42 more and unless I did something really specific like really really seasonal tailored I don't foresee myself creating a part two because the point of what's for dinner is to set you up it's, it's sort of like the training, right? And then you should be able to take that and apply it to like, hey, these were our favorite meals. These are the meals we know how to cook now. We're going to take these. We're going to swap yeah. out these seasonal ingredients. It really does focus around the protein, which is exactly what Lahana does in her home too. And that's true. Like every single one of our meals, it focuses around the protein. Um, so today when I went grocery shopping, I focused on the protein and I was like, all right, this is what we're eating mm-hmm. because we're going to have ham on sourdough this day. We're going to yeah. have scallops this day. We're going to have yeah. beef this day, whatever. So... Um, it, it helps establish some healthy practices on like how to do that. Like it, right. it is not only something that is practical as like a supplementation to a task. It's also like educational because if you're working through this meal plan, now you learn how to do it for yourself. Now you know how to cook a whole chicken. Now you know how to roast. Yeah, exactly. Now you know what Boom. braising is. Now you know what combining these two vegetables does for you. Now yeah. you know like, yeah. So I, I don't really think I'll come out with a part two. Um, because I want it to exist kind of as is, as like a training ground. So Absolutely. 
There may be some revisions or things in the future, but for now, What's for Dinner is pretty solid. Go get it after that. Go find that book. It is for sale right now on homegrowneducation.org. We've also got What's for Be- What's for Breakfast in the Hopper. Yes, so it's not out yet. Be on the lookout for that. I'm very Similar excited. concept, um, just as beneficial. And um, hey, we all need a little bit of support sometimes, and and and, and we're here. We're here to get you, get, get you. Out. If you loved listening to my very professional podcast voice, you could hear it some more. I sometimes talk on my Instagram account where I run for fun. I shoot bows and I drink coffee. I do mm-hmm. some other stuff too. Mm-hmm. You but, still haven't done the, the work post I challenged you on last week, but that's okay. I'll give you grace. That's true. Um, I do also work. You own your own business and you, yeah, have a wonderful creative. I do. You know, sometimes my Instagram feels separate from my business though, because I have a business Instagram account. Uh, Is that weird? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. Anyways, Anyways, you can find Joey. You can find me. I'm on Instagram. I have an account. It's at Joey Hazelmeyer. You can find Elizabeth as well. She is at Liz Hazelmeyer. Also at homegrown underscore education if you've made it to this point in the episode holy smokes i'm sorry we had a little bit of a distraction there going to the backstory of what's for dinner but uh it wasn't a distraction i think it was useful content and people know that at the end of the episode they can sign off if they want i know they're all here to listen to lahana i'm 100 percent okay with that i i so valued our conversation i think it was fantastic and for those select few people that were here to listen to me i don't think there's any of this <laughs> anyways um until next time that's a wrap